serves. This is Sir Gene with your morning update in the afternoon. And now, the one, the only, the host of Sir Gene Speaks, Darren O'Neill. It's Friday, August 13th, 2021. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where people are still shooting each other, and the Rona is still raging, and our mayor still sucks, and politics is really depressing, which is why we bring in Sir Gene, ranching for the very first time. Didn't uh, Madonna do a song about you? She did. She did, yes. I think I was six years old at the time. (laughs) You age really well, though. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, I'm 25 now. It's one of these things like a Benjamin Button. You're going in the opposite direction. Oh, it depends. Depends on the day of the week, really. The infamous Gene Neftuliev of uh, Sir Gene Speaks, otherwise known as Sir Gene. And everybody is probably the listening to your Duke podcast. Of Texas. Well, the Duke of Texas. Yes. Damn, right. that's, uh, that's pretty impressive. Although there's a lot of people that are out gunning you. But oh, there's plenty. It's not about like being the top. It's about being the first to get there. It's like climbing Everest. Yeah, there's a lot of people that have done that in there. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of them have died doing it. So there's. Hey, uh, by the way, you said something interesting. Yeah, it happens. So I thought GOB always stood for good old boys, and I was always <laughs> miffed a little bit because both of all y'all have Canada like right next to you, and so how do these Northerners just are calling themselves good old boys? Never really made sense to me, but now you're saying it's. It doesn't actually stand for good old boys? No, it's been suggested that it be changed to uh, Gumpy Old Benz. I think that was Abel Kirby of the Rare Encounter podcast because that would be Grumpy Old Benz without the R. So you remove the R from Grumpy Old Benz and you get Gumpy Old Benz. There's been a lot of, I think. It no, was- that's just making fun of people with speech impediments. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not in, aligned with that thought at all. I think it was uh, Sir Omaha earlier in the uh, troll room that said it could be we could just change it to Grumpy or Benz, and that way I could do shows with Larry because he's always grumpy of that Larry show. We can bring you in because you're a Ben. We can bring other people in that are Benz. So that could be, you never know what you're going to get in each individual show. It could just be grumpy or the mm. Ben tech thing. But that there's this thing. Well, hey, as long as it's not good old boys, that's all I care about because you <laughs> I mean, ain't I'm, nobody. I'm not that close to Canada. I have a buffer called Wisconsin. There's a lot of people <laughs> in Wisconsin. That might want to. You're literally uh, across a small lake. Yeah. I wouldn't want to swim it. I'm sure there are are larger lakes. Borders Canada across water. I don't know what you're talking about. It could be. It's still a few miles away. Still a border. And you can't get across now. You could jump in a canoe and be in Canada. (laughs) I mean, I don't know what shape you think I'm in that I could canoe all the way to Canada. (laughs) I think. But uh, you'd be in pretty damn good shape by the time you get out of the canoe. I'll tell you that. Or dead. One or the other. What? But a a good looking dead body. Right. That's true. All of the, it would be a very svelte dead body in the canoe, Mm -hmm. but that'll happen. And uh, yeah, good old boys. GOB can stand for a whole lot of things. And I'll say over the last few days, it's been interesting because it's been very split. There are folks like cold acid, very upset that release anything with anything even looking like grumpy old Ben's on it. And there's just as many people on the other side, including our buddy Manischewitz, who has been a patron for a while, who came in and said, no, keep doing it. Keep doing the show. So it's split. And uh, I just kind of wanted to dump the name because it is uh, hard to understand outside the no agenda community, Mm. which 
the community. It's well, it's people understand in the no agenda what a dude named Ben is, at least. So there's uh, it was started as an inside joke. And uh, then it's like, people, yeah, weren't you just simply trying to not get sued by John C. Dwarak? No, John loves me, although he won't come on. He wouldn't come on the show before. I haven't asked him in, in light of recent events, but I know he made an appearance on Sir Seat Sitter's show, which uh, is his real name's Chris. And he does a show called Abs in a Six Pack. And they did their 100th episode mm. the other day and did an all day extravaganza, started at 11 or noon, went past midnight. And they got John to call in, so that was a get. That's pretty good. And, I, 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 of course, that's probably one way to do it is when John says, when is the show running, thinking he's going to be able to say, oh, I'm busy then. <laughs> right. You say, oh, starts at 8 a.m., goes till midnight. John, we'd love to have you. That does make it harder to be like, no, I had a lunch. Or yeah. Uh, dinner or <laughs> something. Shit. Now he's committed. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that was G. You never know. John, John has plenty of free time. And I understand the vibe and the feeling, although it's, I've gotten again on both sides of this. If you look through and you want to make a comparison, television shows, there's people that come and go from shows. NCIS is one that's been running for years. Yeah. Like Regis and whoever right. the person is that's female. Right. And they change them. They're interchangeable. And then you bring in mm. Michael Strahan and then you bring in somebody else and i'm the rock and roll pre-show guy so i'm thinking it's let's see we got van halen acdc pink floyd black sabbath sticks yeah. uh yes you could, you Queen could totally Journey. like change it up big time be like gaze on boats <laughs> well yeah and you could, do could, your show from the, the from the canoe between canada and illinois right as we canoe that could actually work right. we would have cell service so that wouldn't be a problem you could always uh, get to the cloud but that was something that, you could have uh, YMCA is your theme song. I don't see the village people. I think they were pretty solid all the way through. I don't know. Although they are solid. I've always liked the village people. They may have had the, some of the people come and go for uh, no pun intended when it comes to the village people, but there's uh, a lot of coming and going, going on, especially <laughs> at the YMCA. Right. But I just saw journey set when they played Lollapalooza here in Chicago. And to be honest, it's the first time that I have experienced journey host steve perry and i have to say it was still pretty good music so hmm. this concept that just because one person exits something that it has to be something totally different and no i i don't know so where this will transition into i don't know but it's interesting that there's i need to put up a poll or something just to see what all the experts really yeah. think, because I but think they're split. Things do change. I remember when Adam left MTV, they just stopped playing music. I know. That was the greatest meme. Congratulations, 40 years of MTV and 13 years of music or whatever they played. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And MTV is still MTV. It's still called MTV. It's it nothing kind of like it was when it first MTV. came out. Yeah. Yeah, it's... And I watched... Now, did you watch MTV from day one? I remember... Watching that first video, it was radio uh, killed the <laughs> radio killed right. The video, video killed the radio star right. The Buggles or uh, right. Yep, yeah. the, yep, yep. We didn't have cable. I don't think when MTV mm. hit. I think this was even right before the area we were in had cable TV. Okay, yeah, and we got uh, it no, pretty early. We got cable in the seventies. And no, Boobery, you're actually wrong. But everybody can think what they want. That's fine. And uh, if you're not in the troll room, you're not having the fun. That's where the trolls hang out. It's uh, trollroom.io. 
noagendastream.com. When the live shows are on, that's where all of the action is happening. And I've been missing here, and there's been no Sir Gene to listen to. And I'm like, one, I want to say the, the most hilarious thing about the the Grumpy Old Ben's War of 2021 was when Spencer of the Bowl After Bowl podcast came back with to me with, yeah, but it was okay when you banned Sir Gene. Like I never. Yeah, I think I was the first perma ban that was ever inflicted on somebody that totally didn't deserve it and had been merely complimenting your show the entire time in the chat room. I think you were the first Next person thing I know. Like that's it. I'm banned from every service associated with no agenda instantly with no appeals. Done. And at least when when Facebook banned me, they told me why. There was nothing here. You've been banned by Facebook. Of course, Facebook and Twitter, both. <laughs> of course, this is, yeah, I guess it is. If you have any kind of uh, dangerous opinions, that's par for the course now. And I think you were the first person that ever took a joke 60 second kick and turned it into a lifetime ban. You are good. You are good well, at that. I, I, I'm sorry, whatever you call it these days, but that's certainly <laughs> what I saw. And, and I was thinking about this yesterday because you wanted to test out your new rig and you're like, let's make sure this works. Mm-hmm. So when we're going to go live, that everything sounds good for the trolls. And yeah. uh, what we ended up getting was about 90 minutes of bloviating there. And, and I was thinking about that last night. I'm like, and this is really going to be odd for most people to try to comprehend, but I did grumpy old Ben's with Ryan for what about two years now, a little over two years, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And I believe that if you just want to talk about, outside of the show communication i've talked to you longer than ryan and that's not an exaggeration whatsoever well, i'm pretty sure ryan's talked to me longer than you as well so see there you go there it's, it's, it's <laughs> you a very common thing or maybe it's just yeah. you you bloviate i do not do any such thing i guess if it makes you happy to say that word by all means please do it's a big uh, word people like it it's also yeah. a B word, so grumpy old bloviating, it all fits Oh, grumpy in. old, well, yeah, yeah, he's still trying to work that whole angle, I guess. <laughs> but it's, um, I've, I've been assured that would make it too hard to, CSB says that would make it too hard for people to find the show, and mm-hmm. I think it was Phone Boy that said this is just a uh, IQ test for people that if they can't spell the show name, maybe you don't want them as listeners, and both sides of that have, have some credence to it. Yeah, I... Yeah, spelling is definitely a problem for a lot of things. Hence, my show that you're currently hosting right now isn't called Neftuliev Talk. It's called Sir Gene Speaks because that's easier to spell. That That is true. That is true. And uh, Booberry, I didn't call you a liar. I said that you were incorrect. And pulling out a response that I said in the troll room doesn't really change anything. It, you don't know what's happening behind scenes, what other people are saying. You don't see everything. And this is how... These kind of things uh, can quickly go ahead and ban them. Just ban them permanently. <laughs> right. Like you did to me. Right. Per- permanently. Go on. I still can't get in there. I just tried. I can't get in there. So I'm clearly perma banned. So you're not a Ben then if you can't figure out how to get into the IRC room. <laughs> it's not the IRC room you ought to be worried about. The, uh, the ban list is also public. So everybody can see that you're not really banned. Yeah. Well, except those of us that are shadow perma banned. <laughs> oh, oh see, no, that would be good. 
I wish I knew how to shadow perma ban. Mm-hmm. This is like going way well, down. Maybe the you should ask Membros before uh, you stop working with them. You might know. I know. And he didn't even do the chapters for the last episode. I don't understand. Now, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm like not getting in the middle of y'all's feud, but that's no. just not professional. <laughs> it, it's a it's been a very strange experience. I, I will go that far. Mm-hmm. And I hope he's doing well today. Him and his wife, because the Seattle, I guess, is about burning down again. Ninety five degrees hot there, man. I just I just flew back from Seattle. I was just there last week and it is it is unusually warm and they haven't had rain for two months. Oh, that's and so good. the grass is all brown. The trees are looking a little sickly. And Austin, which like that would be typical of Austin in the middle of summer. All the grass is brown. All the trees look a little sickly. And it is just absolutely green as all hell here because the Austin, uh, and it, I think most of Texas, but I can only really talk for Austin here, has had rain every day for six months. Now, okay. like we are the new Seattle at this point. Now, is this something, because you wanted to talk about global warming, which I thought was interesting. Oh, yes, you brought up global, yeah, Well, yeah, this yeah. is kind of, so, is this walking into this? Is this a... Uh, we can do global warming talk, sure, why not? You know, is it's that why segment. you think Austin is turning into a lush paradise while the, and I know yeah. the, you know, Seattle area well, does not I, I've get... I've never denied global warming, right? Global warming, global cooling, right. global change, they all exist, right? Well, it's the, the question, question of what always the been man-made, right? The man-made portion of it, right? Because if you look at the history of the world, of, the, of this little blue-green marble that we live on, it hasn't always been this color, and it certainly <clears throat> has continuously changed for several billion years. And so change absolutely happens. We have documented proof of that change. And it's been warmer. It's been colder. Right now, the planet is actually still very much in a cold spell from the average temperature that the planet's had. Most people don't realize that the the average temperature of the Earth right now is right around 12 degrees Celsius, which would be like 175 degrees in Fahrenheit, I think. But it's about 12 degrees Celsius cooler than the average temperature of the planet through most of its lifetime, at least the one that we're able to calculate through core samples. So if we're in a cool period, why is everybody worried about global warming? You think global warming would be a good thing. Well, they switched it. Well, they did switch it because in the 70s, there was absolutely a concern about global cooling. Now, those people were still, I think, a little overly active imaginations. Uh, they had them, but at least they were a little closer to the right side of it. But the idea that somehow the planet is cooler than its average and needs to stay like this forever. I think is a very strange one to me because there are many species on the planet that have died off as a result of cooling that the planet has experienced. And part of the reason that primates came to the top of the rung was because the competition had been killed off by the environment, not by us. Right. So it may be a good thing to say that now that the planet is cooled off and most of the animals can't live on the planet that have lived on the planet, i.e. like dinosaurs and all kinds of other critters that are cool, for uh, millions and millions of years, that has resulted in the humans becoming the dominant species. But now that we are the dominant species, I don't really see anything wrong with bringing the planet back and getting pet dinosaurs. That would be awesome. <laughs> I would love that. 
See, but I this would be a pet that can... I, and I do have one of those already. I do have a uh, 17-foot snake uh, as a pet. And uh, he's not quite a dinosaur, but he's certainly a lizard. Got some of the same uh, DNA, no doubt. Yeah, there's... It, it's not the same DNA, obviously. Otherwise, right. he would look like a dinosaur. Right. But there were snakes uh, back 200 million years ago. And clearly, there is DNA that has been traced down from that. But pets aside, where I'm starting to change my mind about the, the human interaction is because there's been more and more evidence. I've been doing research. That I handed this back about six months ago. And it's not easy research to find because most people are not doing this type of research. But one of the effects of stopping or at least altering the path of the air currents around the planet is, is a defect called localization, where you end up having more spots that have more consistent weather patterns. So you, instead of having your normal sort of spring, summer, winter weather where every year is exactly the same, you end up with areas that are less affected by the yearly weather changes, and they tend to have a more extreme version of that temperature. So you could have cold spots where for several years, potentially decades or hundreds of years, you have an area that is disproportionately becoming colder and colder, and you have hot spots that are disproportionately becoming warmer and warmer. And the reason for that is that the biggest uh, factor in temperature that places around the world see is the wind that we have that shifts cold and hot. It, it essentially moves the heat around. So right. instead of having the earth get really hot during the day and then get really cold at night, winds will bring cooler air in to cool that daily hot time temperatures down and they'll, the, they'll bring in uh, warmth from places that are still warm at night to make the nighttime not as uh, extreme. Right, so, so it's like an equalizing having, factor. Yeah, having uh, wind blowing and really moving the atmosphere around and constantly mixing different temperatures. Uh, and I'm sure anybody who's seen a weather map on TV has seen these different cold fronts, warm fronts moving around. Right, there's always talk of the jet stream. Yeah, the jet stream, I think, is unique in that it generally goes in one direction. So it's very predictable. And if you fly through it, you can actually utilize the jet stream to save fuel, depending on the direction you're going, obviously. But jet stream aside, just these various, uh, there's a word I'm forgetting, but essentially the mixing of the atmosphere that we have balances the temperature so that there's a much smaller range of hot to cold happening. And the thought experiment is, what would happen, and we can change the thought experiment into a computer experiment, into a simulation, what would happen if you were to start blocking wind and therefore not letting the, the warm areas, like say the, that are desert in sunlight, uh, that is warming up the air around it, not letting that warm air move away from there. And then the same thing with colder areas where maybe you're on the dark side near the um, North Pole or South Pole, whichever one is currently experiencing darkness. And again, you're not letting warm air sweep through there and mingle with the cold air. 
And you start having much higher separation between warm and, and cold. And it occurred to me that we're doing this experiment in the real life right now. Certainly in Texas, we are. And even people who don't live here will have probably heard of the power outage that Texas had last winter. Yeah. No. As a prepper test week in the local prepper community. Yes, that was when everybody got to test everything out that they've accumulated for many years. Yeah. And those that had the cold blooded pets like you, you didn't have a fun time. That was not good. Yes. Having reptiles, having animals that don't generate their own heat when the temperature outside is freezing and there is no electricity in the house is not fun. It, it definitely forces you to think out of the box and be a little more prepper ish. So you haven't but gotten my a generator, point, a whole house generator yet? No, I, I do not. No. And I, that probably says I'm not real, a real prepper, which I'm really not, prepped. but I do the, some of the habits of the prepper. So I'm like a prepper wannabe. That, that's the way I would describe it. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but the thing that you probably also heard about Texas is uh, that all the windmills froze and they weren't spinning anymore and not generating electricity. Well, Texas has more windmills than any other place on Earth, more than even California, which Californians, I'm sure, would really like to be holding that title as the windmill capital of the world. But they don't. Texas has more. So what we're doing in Texas is we're essentially disrupting wind patterns that have existed for, let's just say thousands of years. Let's not even go to millions of years, but let's just say thousands of years. We've had certain wind patterns that have existed. And we have built now literally thousands upon thousands of windmills. And I think they're around 150 feet tall, maybe 150 meters. They're, they're not big. short. No, they're, they're pretty damn tall. Like you've seen the one blade of these things is an extra long 18 wheeler. Right. And, and obviously the height that they're, oh yeah, it's gotta be like 150 meters then not feet. The height of these is substantial. And when you put a, a wind blade that you you have the wind spinning, what you're doing is you're taking the energy that the wind has and converting it to electrical energy by use of that propeller. And so you're essentially reducing the energy of the wind, which means wind that is blowing and typically in Texas, most of these windmills are in the west side of Texas, that we've now got a much lower amount of energy wind that is blowing from that direction because it's had to go through all these windmills, which have sucked a lot of energy out of it. So that and, you really that you, I've never really even considered that. But so the concept is mm -hmm. that because of this disruption, it's actually changing the weather patterns of the, the area in its path. Yeah. And it, it's I'm not going to go so far to say it's changing the patterns and it's affecting the entire planet. But it could be because of the butterfly effect. But it's certainly affecting the weather patterns that Texas has been experiencing. And the more of these they build the easier it will be to test this hypothesis because we will start seeing predictable but different weather than what we've seen for the past 100 years. The weather records are readily available because you're de-energizing the force of the wind, which means if you have uh, wind going towards a low pressure area from several directions, and one of the directions the wind has to go through this 1,000-plus, maybe 10,000-plus windmill uh, farm, and wind coming from a different direction doesn't. Well, 
what happens when that wind arrives at the uh, low pressure zone? The wind coming from the south is going to be much stronger than the wind coming from the west. And so now you're going to have more, more depressions being pushed to the north. You're going to be propagating potentially warmer weather further north into the Midwest, potentially ruining crop results because those areas were not used to having warm, dry weather coming in. They were used to whatever typical weather they've had looking at the farmer's almanac for the last hundred years. So there is, there's a very realistic potential here that we could be creating man-made climate change. And windmills is just one aspect of it. The other one, of course, is solar panels. And solar panels do a similar thing. They don't affect the wind, and the wind is created by the sun as well. The wind is created by essentially creating high-pressure, low-pressure areas because as the sun warms up the earth, the radiated heat creates a warmer gases, have a, a lower lower pressure? No, they're higher pressure. Okay. I mean, I'm concerned and confused myself right now. The <laughs> That's point when is, you know you're in a rabbit hole. Yeah, exactly. It's, hey, I've been ranting for a while here. The point is, the energy that you experience with the wind and the energy that you're pulling out of the wind with, min, with windmills was the result of solar heating at some point, somewhere, which then caused the expansion of the gases. Yes, so the sun will heat an area, that area starts getting warmer, gases move away from that area and start expanding. So that's a, a high pressure area and then move towards a cooler, lower pressure area. So what do solar panels do? Solar panels sidestep all the natural processes that the earth's been used to for literally billions of years from the sun from solar radiation and convert that solar energy directly to electricity and prevent essentially that solar energy from warming something up on the planet that would have been there previous to the solar panel right which would have then created a, a hot spot which would have the gases around that area to expand and contribute to the global movement of the air around. So both of those sort of free energy, in quotes, ways that people have started trying to pull energy out of the environment could have extremely detrimental effects on the environment. And, and the, it, it, like no one has to believe that this theory is correct because we are literally in the process of testing this theory or this hypothesis because we've done these things. We've built solar farms, we've built wind farms, and now it's just a matter of comparing the results that we're getting today to the results that we saw previous to building these places that disrupt the normal currents of air around the planet. And that's uh, Billy Bones in the Troll Room sent in an article that was talking about how trees during the Dust Bowl had a similar effect, how they were wind dams and the wind had mm -hmm. to move around it and the air all had to move around it, obviously, and what effect that has. And it's interesting because I don't think most people I know, it's never really occurred to me that you just see a windmill and it's the wind is just moving through there. You don't really think about how much of that energy, because it takes a lot of mm -hmm. power, it takes a lot of that wind, it takes a lot of blowing and bloviating to make that fan blade spin. So it's not like the wind is unaffected by that. And right. one windmill, okay, you know, probably not a big deal, but once you have thousands of them that are in a, one large area, that's of course going to cause a lot more of an issue. And 
it's interesting that everything that's then being suggested besides nuclear energy, which actually seems to be the less evil when it comes down to the impact on the planet is always forgotten in this stuff like solar power and wind power is pushed like it's going to be the savior of the planet. And I've never heard this even floated anywhere that people No, it's an original theory. I've done, I, there, there's nobody talking about it right now except for me. Oh, wait, there has to be somebody else. But if not, if not, this is something you should get into the hands of the right people. This you should be on all the you should be on. Wow, well, you're assuming something here. You're assuming I don't want the reptiles to inherit the planet. <laughs> okay, that's I can understand. You, it may be time for the Great Reset. The 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 really big reset. The reset <laughs> that the people who are talking about the reset don't realize is coming. <laughs> yes, yeah. You, you, y'all thought this was just a start new game reset. No. This is rewrite. This is a full computer reboot yes. reset. This is a new operating system. This is Windows 11, Gene. That's right. Oh, God. I don't know if the planet can handle Windows 11. <laughs> Probably not. But that yeah. is, it's a hell of a theory. You've got me. And, right? Uh, Isn't that fascinating? And again, the beauty of this is it's not just a, a mind exercise because I've realized this is already currently happening and the data is available. It's not like this data is hard to get. So you can actually start paying attention to and tracking what happens to localized weather patterns once you start doing things like adding a bunch of windmills or a bunch of solar farms. Because you're, we, we also know that cities themselves have done the opposite. So, well, in some ways the opposite. But cities are concentration and focal points for energy usage. And most of our energy usage isn't horribly efficient. So a lot of heat gets generated in the process of your TV being on or computer or anything else. And so local weather patterns around cities tend to have temperatures that are several degrees warmer. And they also have an effect as well on wind patterns, not just by buildings blocking wind, but because there is a constant, slightly higher pressure within cities and outside of cities, they've sort of create a bit of a bubble around themselves and this is why you don't have tornadoes it's a super rare i'm not saying never happens but almost never you have a tornado going through downtown right chicago and that's where it would be the most dangerous if you think about it yeah the suburbs see them but yeah the last one that i remember there was a tornado that went through fort worth that did damage to a few buildings there it didn't topple any buildings but because tornadoes Again, they run out of energy, like they operate based on the differential between the hot and cold. So if you have a microclimate that actually is insulating you from the outside by having a temperature gradient within that microclimate. So it, it's a it's interesting stuff. It's fascinating. And I think Adam even mentioned years ago on the show that he thought I was kind of dorky because I was monitoring things like CO2 levels and temperature and all kinds of data through my own sensors that I've had in the same exact spots now for almost a decade. And well, data's good uh, no matter what. Yeah, yeah, and data's good and I'm plugged into a network of everybody else that has the same trackers so I can literally see an unofficial view based on hundreds locally and and thousands and tens of thousands uh, of these sensors spread around the country and the world even. And it's sort of like the, for the nerd aspect of, of what's the science called? I can't even think of it. The, the, the weather science. <laughs> meteorology. Yeah, meteorology. It's, yeah, meteorology. You're studying so, meteors, of course. 
Yeah, which, yes, I watch meteors, exactly. (laughs) So it's a little bit of, it's been a hobby and an interest for probably 15, 20 years for me. But it's not, I like, I came to this theory about less than a year ago, about nine months ago, I started really trying to pay attention to what are the changes that we're seeing? And are, can these be, are we show, are we seeing any kind of predictable, reputable results in areas that start adding and increasing the number of windmills that are being put up? Well, well even so beyond it, that, though, there was a point about a month or so ago that mm-hmm. the drought in, was it Abu Dhabi, one of the, somewhere over there, that uh, was so bad, they start seeding the clouds to cause rain. There's a mm-hmm. lot of stuff going on on a pretty big scale, but what is, so what is your theory when it comes down to, okay, we've got our gas powered vehicles and all that. And those on the left want you to believe that this is causing a mass amount of problems with man-made climate change. And they're pushing for windmills and for solar and all that, which you really, if what would be your hypothesis, which is causing a greater change to the climate? Which type of technology? Granted, there's a lot more cars right now than there are solar panels and windmills, but it seems like these the solar stuff and the windmills are relatively new for the United States doing this stuff mm-hmm. in massive quantity. And it seems like it's already having an effect. So which of yeah, these things is having a bigger change to the environment? Oh, if you want to go in order, it's obviously going to be solar flares, volcanoes, and cows farting. And those are all way ahead of any kind of energy use that we have. Because again, this is all measurable stuff. Like I, I know it sounds ridiculous, but you can actually pull pull the real numbers and you see what kind of effects these things are having. Well, yeah. The, the biggest, solar flares, especially, nobody ever wants to talk about the cycle of the sun when they talk about right. the earth and the temperature. And it's like, how do you not? Yeah. Yeah. The earth uh is processing and it's not in a perfect circle. Like there, there are very definite points in time where the earth is closer to the sun, where it's further away from the sun. There are points in time when the planets align, like when we launched the, the, the Voyagers, the probes, where we can have the effects, the combined effects of the gravity of all the planets actually inducing more solar activity because we're putting more stress on one side of the sun than the other, as it were, gravitationally. So there's a lot of stuff that happens on a predictable, computed basis that most people, including people that are talking about climate change, just are oblivious about. And even if they knew about it, they probably don't care. Well, I think there's a lot of people talking about climate change who only know the talking points, who don't even know that the sun has an effect on how warm the planet is. It's like, Here's spoilers. If the sun goes out, the earth gets very cold. You know, mm-hmm. global warming is no longer a problem. It's interesting. There are no more problems on the earth if the sun goes out. <laughs> yes, no problems at all. Everything. It's a self-cleaning system, Gene. That is the great. Yeah. But you're talking well, that's about. The, that's the really fucking big reset. That's not even the great reset. That's the fucking big reset. <laughs> and, you're, uh, you're talk- and the sun will do that. But before the sun goes out. It will swallow up the Earth. The Earth is within the the sphere of the sun at its uh, optimal peak size. So the sun will get to the size where the Earth will be inside the sun before it actually finally burns out. Now, that is going to be a glorious end. Yeah, I think we've observed a few of these astrologically, like not nearby, obviously, but with, you know, radio telescopes. 
in uh, uh, these types of events. But climate uh, changes, Adam, you were talking about <laughs> the wind currents, and I saw something the other day. I bookmarked it, haven't gotten around to getting back to it, but there was a similar theory now on ocean currents and how oh, yeah. some of these ocean currents are slowing down and yeah. this is going to change the weather and this is going to cause all sorts of problems. And what I want to know is yeah. we can track when you go back over the years, when you see the, there's only been what, 150 years or so where man has been able to monitor the temperature at that time somewhat accurately and has been directly. writing it down. You could argue about even the accuracy, but at least directly, indirectly, we were able to monitor temperatures going back tens, if not hundreds of thousands of years through uh, core samples of ice and yes. uh, rock stones. Now, and that's my question using with Using derivative methods to monitor what temperatures would have been. They're not direct measurements, obviously. Right. Now, the intriguing thing about that, which was exactly what my, where I was going with this, is you can get that information. But the one thing you don't know is what was the state of the planet when it comes to the ocean currents, when it comes to the air currents at that time. You can guess that there were phases of heating and cooling, but you don't have a real-time model. You could do, I'm sure, computer models, but yeah. my guess is what we're seeing now with a lot of this stuff has happened in the past, but there's no data. And so since there is no data, a lot of this seems like it's brand new and the sky is falling and I'm not really sure it is. Yeah, nothing's brand new. All of this has happened before and all of it will happen again. Until the sun uh, swallows up the earth, in which case then no, and it's all over. But Yeah, but the actual subatomic particles that the earth is comprised of aren't going anywhere. They're just going to be part of the sun. So it's just another transformation. Yeah. So hey, ultimately, I think people just didn't worry as much about things that they have no control over and then only focus on the things they have control over. And if for as much as you can look at, well, what kind of damage are cars going? Here's the biggest problem with cars, according to the people that worry about cars, is carbon dioxide is that we're dumping a bunch of carbon dioxide and carbon dioxide is a gas that is associated with global warming of other planets and past warming essentially it's a gas that traps infrared radiation inside of, of the gaseous layer of a planet and so instead of the way you think about it is the sun is putting out a certain amount of energy all the time towards the planet and the way that you can control the temperature of the planet is by either reflecting that energy back into space. Right. Which or was by the problem trapping it back in the 80s with the ozone it. layer, right? Oh, the ozone layer is. I think the ozone actually had some other issues. Well, it, the thing you want to remember is the problem with living on Mars is that Mars has a super thin atmosphere that does not trap any infrared radiation. And so. All, all that heat that Mars is getting from the sun is most of it is just bouncing right back into space. Right. And that's why you can't walk around without a spacesuit on Mars. Uh, it's freaking cold out there. And not to mention that the, the pressure is obviously a lot less than it is on Earth as well. But on Venus, we have the opposite effect where the atmosphere is very thick and gooey. And it is trapped literally millions of years of sunlight energy in the form of heat within the atmosphere of the planet. And therefore, the planet is much, much warmer uh, than 
Earth than certainly than uh, Mars is. But if you were to strip Venus of its atmosphere or even a part of its atmosphere, then the planet will cool down very quickly to the point where it, it wouldn't necessarily be any warmer than Earth. So it's this fine balance of a relatively thin atmosphere. You think about it. The atmosphere, even though it theoretically goes into perpetually, it just gets thinner and thinner and thinner, but generally accepted, the atmosphere is about 100 kilometers or so. So you've got very little resistance beyond 100 kilometers of the atmosphere. So you have this super thin 100 kilometer atmosphere wrapped around the planet, which is, I don't remember what the diameter of the Earth is, probably like, what, 12 million or 12,000 kilometers, no, more than that, probably 20,000 kilometers, something like that. It's big. I mean, we have a cartographer in the 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 relative difference between the thickness of the atmosphere and the diameter of the planet itself, as you zoom out, you'll start seeing that the atmosphere is like the thickness of your skin compared to your body, which is the planet. It's very thin, and that is the thing that keeps the temperature of the planet that we live on in the range that is comfortable to us to live on without a spacesuit. So when you start messing with the atmosphere, there is a certainly a potential to alter the temperature range of that planet. And carbon dioxide is something that theoretically and, and based on observations in other places could be used to retain more heat, which would make the earth, Warmer. But again, the amount of carbon dioxide that is put out from one volcanic blast is equal to years and years of all the CO2 put out by cars. Right. And, well, and so, let's not forget, people put out CO2. People put out CO2, exactly. And there are other gases like methane, which is why I mentioned the cow farts, which are even better than carbon dioxide at capturing heat and holding on to it within the planet. Right. So more destructive if you're going if you're going with that concept. Well, it depends if you want it warmer, if right. you want to, let's say, melt the polar caps, because that's something that would actually be good for us to have more water that isn't caught in a frozen state and not very useful. Then you would want more of the gases that prevent heat from escaping from the planet. So that's one aspect, right, is heat retention. Another aspect aspect is heat generation. And that's that's a very real effect. And I've talked about that, how when we do things that aren't meant to even generate heat, like watching TV or, you know, playing video games on a computer, doing whatever, those activities in the process of doing what they're supposed to be are also not horribly efficient. So they're still generating heat, uh, which is why I mentioned the microclimates around cities. And that is extra heat that is being you could say it's being produced. It's really being released. It's not really being produced. Because all energy on the earth is the result of the sun. It's just how you release it from its captured state. If we, whether we look at fossil fuels or whether we look at, it doesn't really matter what type of energy. We can look at trees and wood as a very simple form of energy when you burn trees. These are all things that are just simply holding on to the energy that they got from the sun on the molecular level. So. We're just releasing that energy, even nuclear energy, if you think about it. If we never built a nuclear power plant, the nuclear materials uh, like uranium, and they're still going to give off heat in their natural state. They're still going to decay. And the difference is we're just 
taking and finding tiny little bits of those materials and then sticking them all together in a concentrated form so that we can utilize the heat that they're giving off naturally anyway and then use that to turn steam turbines, which is how nuclear plants work. They're essentially big steam turbine plants. And I'm sure there are newer, better plants being built. That's, but that's the traditional nuclear plant idea. So that's why nuclear energy is, is so damn clean. It's the best form of energy is because we're not even disrupting the damn process. It's not like taking a live tree and then killing it and burning it. We're taking little tiny rocks that are always giving off heat and then just bringing them all together so that that combined heat is hot enough to boil water. That's, that's all we're doing with nuclear plants. Yeah, we do have plenty and, of water. Yeah, we, and we can make more by, by melting the polar cap. That's true, too. That's the interesting thing when you talk about climate changes. When you look at the Earth as a snapshot from any time period, there's a whole lot of the Earth at any given time that's really not all that friendly to being inhabited. Absolutely. So it's not like we have nirvana right now, and if we go one degree one way or the other, all hell's going to break loose. Yeah. No, things have been changing for millions of years. Absolutely. And you mentioned water. So let's jump back to that real quick. Or the, the jet streams in the water. Whoa. So we have the Gulf Stream, which is due to the rotation of the planet and the really the current placement of the continents has a fairly substantial stream of warm water that is moving around Florida and then a little bit off the coast of the United States and towards Europe and then into England and then ultimately into the North Sea, north of Germany and all the way out to the Baltic states and Finland. So that, that Gulf Stream warm water is absolutely responsible for a milder climate in Northern Europe and has been for thousands of years. And this is something, and I think it's tens of thousands actually, but this has been studied extensively. This is not something that's Gene's latest theory. This is something <laughs> you can look up quite easily on the internet. But that Gulf Stream's effect on Northern Europe allowed humans to settle in Northern Europe. We probably would not have people in Scandinavia and England and uh, maybe even not in the Baltic states, if the Gulf Stream wasn't there. Not enough food would have grown there to sustain human life. And so, in a lot of ways, Europe was powered by the warmth of the Caribbean, by the warmth of the Gulf of Mexico, which allowed humans to actually be able to live there. Now, modern humans can live in a lot more places because we have technology so we can live on the South Pole itself right. to do experiments there. So I'm not too concerned about modern humans, but in terms of evolution of life, these things that we take for granted, like the Gulf Stream, could end up being killed off by these new revolutionary free energy machines that they're building that are converting uh, water wave energy into electricity. And they're essentially like, if you easy way to think of them is just windmills underwater. Right. So uh, this is something that they're actually doing. You know, yeah, they're there... doing it right now. Absolutely. Because and the currents are always going. So it is hydropower yep. seems again, like one of these things that could be the savior because the water's always moving. So we'll yeah. just use that. But to harness that you're again, doing something to affect 
how that water you're, you're taking energy out of the system that's what it comes down from a physics perspective and if you take a sufficient amount of energy out of any system the system will stop being at an equilibrium all the snowy peaks that are melting and the water running down in rivers is powering dams that are generating electricity those dams there's electro uh hydroelectric plants in the dams are relying on the continuous flow of water. We're not pumping the water up on top of the mountains. Right. We're expecting the climate, the air currents to to move around enough from the surface of large water bodies like the Pacific and and the Gulf of Mexico and the Atlantic and then bring water molecules up to those heights and then be cooled off enough that the molecules crystallize and fall down in the form of snow on those mountain peaks. So what happens if we stop wind blowing? There's a lot. Oh, less- we shut down the, the water being dropped off on top of high peaks. And those are just going to become rocky peaks with no rivers running down. And that's your- going to be bad for a lot of people. Yeah. Your dams are no longer going to be needed. Dams aren't going to be needed, but also, Hey, guess what? California doesn't get any more water because there's no more rivers. Well, you know, I mean, there's, there are good, there's and bad a positive spin everything. on that. That's right. true. Yeah. yeah. Right. There's, there are good and bad to everything. So there are a lot of, there are a lot of things that are in a sort of equilibrium. They're not continuous non-moving equilibrium, but they're equilibrium nonetheless. That is a self-adjusting system that is based on certain conditions that we have that if you start yanking the energy out of these systems could absolutely result in a partial collapse of the equilibrium and the equilibrium will be restored by people not surviving and i don't mean some people i mean All it'll people. be a big reset yeah. so again we've mentioned we're going to reset people get rid of them we'll try again I'm intrigued because if if you've been following along, especially if you listen to the No Agenda show, the talk of the Great Reset has been going on for the last couple of years, even before COVID hit, I believe. Mm -hmm. And there are many countries that are all in on this, pushing for the Green New Deal, pushing for solar, pushing for the wind energy, all this stuff that they all want to say, believe the science. Well, has anybody really looked into the effect that the cure is going to have on the planet. So it's, oh, we can tell you it's much, much better to use solar and wind energy than to burn coal and gasoline because it doesn't have the emissions problem. But it sounds to me that what it may end up causing could be a whole lot worse because rather than having some pollutant in the air, which would be taken care of on its own. The earth is a wonderful place. The, you know, rainforest, all this stuff. There's a lot of things that kind of acted as a natural filter to smoke and soot, whatever would get into the air. But once you actually start messing with how the air moves and how the water moves, that would seem like it would be much worse as a domino effect than putting a little pollution into the air. Almost like, a vaccine that does more damage than what it's supposed to prevent. It can't. It may be. And the data on that, too, it's that's just a no-win situation because uh, you're not getting the truth. At least I think there are professionals trying to figure out the truth there. And when it comes to the global warming stuff, I'm not so sure. It seems like everybody maybe is in on this, the cure, 
without yeah. really going, well, okay, if we actually do this, if we make this change and go fully to wind, hydro, and solar, this is going to be the effect. I think everybody's just going to be nirvana. It's going to be clean energy people, and everything's going to be great. People think it's free energy. It's not free energy. This is energy that has a purpose and it's there. Whereas nuclear is free energy. Nuclear, like I said, is simply rounding up a bunch of warm rocks and then putting them together so that they create enough of a, a focused heat to be able to boil water that spins turbines. Those rocks would be hot regardless of where they are. And we know this again because there are, there are places, I think in France, that there are places in southwestern United States where we have evidence of nuclear decay that has happened like 30,000 years ago or 60,000 years ago where we have charring and nuclear radiation. And it's what the hell? Was there a nuclear bomb that went off here? No. These were just naturally stirred up by a tectonic plate movement to where randomly enough nuclear material was put together for it to have an effect, but not anywhere near as much as a nuclear plant that we're doing, obviously. And even the same thing with fossil fuels. It's like what we're, what we're spending when we're burning a fossil fuel is we're spending solar energy. There is nothing else. We're spending solar energy that was sent to the earth hundreds of thousands or millions of years ago. We're not spending solar energy immediately as it comes into the earth. No. So this is solar energy that was stored up. But the argument so, would be that it's the pollution coming from that, right? But I think that's a separate argument. It's being convoluted with the argument against doing this for the global warming or global change, environmental change reasons or whatever. Right. Because I think uh, and the pollution is a fair argument, but the pollution argument has been debunked. And that's why they're not really using it anymore, because the coal plants that we currently build and U.S. isn't really building any, but U.S. companies are absolutely building coal plants for other countries who want coal plants. They have scrubbers that, that have air coming out of the top of those stacks that is cleaner than what you have in your house. Right. Oh, yeah. There's... Because it's being sufficiently filtered and isolated. Yes. The technology so, that's there to filter the air yeah, is... We're, we're not living in London of 1890, you know, where it was literally, you get black soot in your lungs from just an hour of breathing that air. Yes. And we're both old enough to remember living through the time when the headlines were, we're running out of fossil fuels. Oh, we're not going to have oh, yeah. enough. Yeah. And wh that, when is the last time you've heard that argument from anybody, Gene? I haven't heard it for a long time because they keep finding more and more deposits of stuff we can utilize uh, you know, from yeah. coal to oil to whatever. But even let's say that fossil fuels do have an end date. I'd well, say sure if, they anything, if anything, let's A, not use other methods until we run out of fossil fuels because we got them you gotta might as well use them b try and find better ways to do nuclear <laughs> and only as a last resort do things that can absolutely truly fuck up the environment like putting in wind farms so like th their order seems to be backwards because most of these people don't have a clue as to what a what an equilibrium based system is like they don't understand that if you take a bunch of random stuff and then you start it spinning and eventually it gets to a steady state where 
things are changing, but they're balancing that change. Right. So for something that goes left, something else goes right, and it goes into a steady state. Like, they don't understand that is the model that you should use for our planet. It's in a steady state of constant change that is sort of self-balanced from other things. And when you start taking energy out of it, that's when you really start risking with catastrophic results. Because that balance is achieved by there being a certain amount of energy that's flowing into the system, which is flowing in from the sun. Well, and then the question is, are the people that are behind this ignorant or evil? There's been a lot of things that I've bloviated about over the last couple of years, which is what is being done, I believe. Sometimes it was able to be proven, sometimes just a theory, but these big things that are being done are not being done for good. They're being done to crash the system in order to get that little reset, not the whole world crashing into the sun reset. We talked about it with things like the minimum wage, where it turned out that the guys within the Woodrow Wilson organization were like, if we raise the minimum wage, then those minority people who don't have the skills will be totally out of the workforce. And this, mm -hmm. this wasn't to help them, even though that's still the lie being told. And when it comes to something this huge, I just have to wonder, are the people pushing this stuff? There's, I can't believe there's not a scientist out there, Gene, because I know Adam may be right that you're a little bit nerdy with this kind of stuff, but you're bringing stuff that seems to make enough sense to where it should be looked into. And if nobody's talking about the fact that if you put up a million windmills, it's going to slow the air currents down. And why aren't they talking about that? Is it just pie in the sky that they're buying into the, the Green New Deal? It's going to save the world and they believe it's going to save the world. Or is this the case of Dr. Fauci where maybe he was just covering his own ass because he put money behind the research of a virus yeah. that got out well, of the lab? I mean, if you think about it, and this is now you're crossing into conspiracy theories. I, yeah, but but isn't, that, isn't that a fun place to go every now it, and then? If you were in the business of making windmills and you came to this realization based on data from your own windmills that the currents are starting to change. There's less energy that you're able to suck out of a place than your predictions because the wind is just dying down. You would never want to tell that to somebody because that will negatively affect your business. No, it's just like the tobacco companies didn't want to talk about the fact that their product might be causing cancer in the 50s. Well, if it's recommended by nine out of 10 doctors, why would it? <laughs> hey, doctors, man. Oh, get a good doctor. That's something I've been saying for the last couple of years. The cigarette get, for the real man. Yeah. Get a doctor you can trust, Gene. That is, uh, it's harder to do than you would think, but it's. Again, like I'm not at all being alarmist. I'm not trying to create fluff out of nothing here. I'm just saying that this stuff is all very easily accessible to anybody that wants to do the research. The, the real question is, like you said, why aren't there people doing more of this research or are they? And then we just don't hear about it because it's not making the news. Right. Or those are the scientists that are in a small airplane crash or. And who's going to be funding that research? Remember, if you're working for a university, not even the private company, obviously with private company, it's obvious. But even if you're working for a university, the universities work on a, a grant system. So they're they have salespeople out trying to solicit money from corporations do grants to do certain research what company would it be an advantage to do this type of research to show that all these various model all these various technologies that are 
pulling energy out of sunlight immediately rather than later that somehow they're wrecking the environment. I can't think of a single company that would want to fund that research. Well, no, no, I can. The coal companies, the fuel, oil the companies. companies. Yeah. Because they're like, wait, no, if you know what, they if should. the oil companies and coal companies could prove that wind farms and yeah. all this stuff are causing more damage to the planet. Gene, this could be your exit strategy. You Maybe this to... is my exit strategy. I need to uh, go hit up some coal companies. That's you're a like, good point. You're like, hey, I've got an idea here. And this is uh -huh. some interesting research because yeah. you want to push back. I even got the data. Yeah. Absolutely. Just That's... start looking at it. Because it, ultimately, it, it's like any natural resource which is not privately owned. It's, it's You always are looking at, well, I'm just going to take a little bit of it. And it's not going to affect anything. But everybody takes a little bit of it. And then if you do that with the river, you end up with like river, the Hudson River in the 70s in New York, which you could literally throw a match at and it would catch fire. Uh, again, yeah. everything is a limited resource. Using a river is a great example. If a million people take a bucket and each take five gallons out as that's going down and there's yeah. people all down the line that just keep taking more water out, yep. eventually there's not going to be enough water to get to the end. Absolutely. And we had this in Texas as well. In Austin, when I first moved here about 10 years ago, the lakes, and I put that in air quotes because the lakes are really just the, the expanded water areas between two dams. They're all just dammed up rivers down here. But the lakes were super low on water. Like one of them, I think uh, Lake Travis was down 141 feet. You can imagine a lake that is 140 feet lower than its capacity. That's that's a lot of water missing. Yeah, that's a drop. And uh, that lake is fed by the Colorado River, and the Colorado River upstream of the lake is mostly used for ag agricultural diversions. So Texas, if you think about it, it's really mostly the what it would look like without people living here are tumbleweeds across a, a desert of, well, it's not really a desert, but across an area of shrubs. It's just shrubs and tumbleweeds. There's not really any trees. There's not really much grass. It's not a great place for farming. Yet, we grow watermelons here. Where, what other plant needs more water than the freaking watermelon? Not many, if any. It's Jesus. See, that's even in the name of the thing. And we, we grow peaches, watermelons. There's tons of stuff that's grown in Texas because the temperature is right for it. There's tons of sunlight. The only thing that's missing is water. So what are we doing? We're sucking that out of the rivers that are flowing down. And farm usage is considered to be at a higher level of interest or whatever. I don't know how to explain it than like recreational use. More priority to it, right? Less important. Yeah, higher priority. So therefore, when the farmers are sucking the water out of the river and there's not much water that ends up coming down to fill the lakes end up draining down to very low levels to the point where one of the lakes, like I said, was 141 feet below its normal level, which is nuts. People that own lakefront property on that lake were, they all of a sudden quadrupled the amount of property they had, but it was all really shitty property because it was a riverbed right? with nothing growing on it. It's just like ugly, dry riverbed. So property value is not going up. The, so about seven years ago, there was a tremendous amount of rain and it completely filled all the lakes up. And this year, like I said, we had six months of rain. So the rain has been, it's been like nonstop. It is in the plains in Spain. So it, it's a, it, there's been a significant change even from the time that I've come here, 
which clearly meant that there is a change in climate, but it's really a change that has been big enough to overpower the amount of water that's being diverted for farm use and still leave plenty of water for recreational use. Now, you have to have a lot of this data going back. Is this totally beyond anything like they've seen with the rainfall in the Austin area? Or has this happened 50 years ago, 100 years ago? And Yeah, so I do want to put the asterisk out. This is absolutely more rain than there's been since the 80s. There have been times in the past where there has been years that are very rainy down here as well. So it's not the first time that this has happened. It's certainly the first time since I've been here. It's the first uh, since, well, about 25, 30 years ago. But it, it has happened in the past, and we may end up having a super dry year next year. But this is where the, the alarmism rain, comes in, isn't yeah, it? The main reason I bring up the, the crazy amount of rain we had is that this these are the types of things that kind of pointed me to start looking at what could be affecting the climate in this region. It wasn't that the rain, aha, therefore it's caused by these windmills. It was more like, man, I've never seen this before. Let's start digging through some data in the past and see what we come up with. The intriguing thing is you have an idea what the air currents were normally doing when you go back historically. Yeah. And it's very easy if there's a large group of windmills in an area and you can look at the town just to the east of them had this go on and the town to the west. And the one in the West has been consistent for 30 years, but the one in the East start changing after the windmills went up or vice versa, yep. you know, whichever it may be. Yeah. And, and there's a, like my parents live out, they're outside of Seattle, but they're in that general vicinity of, of Bemrose country, but they're more isolated. They're like a two and a half hour drive. And <clears throat> where they live is a place called Sunland, which is a little golf course community. That sounds nice. And <clears throat> yeah, except it's all old people, so it's not that nice. <laughs> but <laughs> Gene, we're old now. Don't you realize? No, that? I'm 25 as far as I'm concerned, man. <laughs> Somebody told me just a couple of days ago, we were talking on, on Discord, playing a video game, and I mentioned my age, and the guy's like, what? No, you're 25. Don't lie. <laughs> I'm like, mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. That's me. Mentally, I'd maybe. Mentally. I'd be lucky to be 25 <laughs> mentally. True. Uh, I'll take it. Yeah. So where they live, the the reason it's called Sunland, even though it's right next to Seattle, is that they don't get much rain at all. And the reason they don't get much rain there and the reason there aren't even clouds there, it's actually sunny most of the year, is because they are on the, if you draw a straight line from the coast in the direction of the prevailing winds that are coming towards Seattle, you will find that the Olympic mountain range is directly between that prevailing line and sunland. And so the mountain range effectively squeezes the moisture out of that moist air coming off the Pacific and then dumps that moisture onto the mountains as snow. And then this dry air is what ends up keeps moving easterly and over, over where sunland is, where my parents live. And so they end up having a very different climate than other regions around seattle which don't have this mountain range to change the climate for them and to squeeze out all the moisture out of the air so the reason i bring that up is that very much uh natural formations on the earth have a similar effect on changing microclimates they they have an effect like this which is a well-known effect of 
effectively drying air as it's forced to move up and over mountaintop and in the process dumping a lot of the moisture out of that air in the form of snow or rain. And then the that same air is now dry as it keeps moving along in that same direction. So we can we can build an artificial mountain range oh, uh, easily, called downtown. Yeah. Right. That's it proves the fact that having something that will act as a in the case of the mountain is a natural filtering system. But of course that mm-hmm. can be duplicated with things like windmills or whatever you want to add to different things, forests, building, planting forests. And And, and it's not like air is linear, right? So it's not to say that all air just simply goes up and over the mountains. A lot of that air is forced around the two sides of the mountain. And in those areas, it dumps rain much lower at altitude, Uh, not, not even snow, just rain, because now you've got a more concentrated wet air coming through those mountain passes Uh, And because the mountain passes are narrower, it's moving in a much faster direction. So you're creating a lot of wind currents. Now, you put windmills into those areas, which is mostly what they do in California. They don't have the open plains that Texas does. In California, the windmills are usually in valleys, and they're they're between mountain ranges. Which would make sense. You're going where the... That totally makes sense. That's where the wind is strong. Of course, you put the windmills. But, okay, so you do that. So what does that effect have? Every effect is going to have some other effect that it's causing. So you're slowing down that air. You're creating more back pressure on it. So more air is going to start going over the mountaintop to compensate for the reduced amount of air coming through the valley because that's where the windmills are. So more of that air goes over the mountain. It's going to dump more snow on top of the mountain. So you're potentially taking air that would have gone around the mountain and then dumped its moisture, say, on farmland in a valley. And instead, more of that air is going to go up and over the mountain, dump the the moisture in the form of snow, and then be dry thereafter. So putting in windmills could very easily end up screwing with your natural rain ability for farmland. Now you're going to have to you're going to, you're going to have irrigation systems and pulling water out of rivers because you've prevented a natural path for that moisture to go through valleys. So maybe the whole Great Reset plan is get rid of all the fossil fuels, get everybody onto this kind of technology with the windmills and the solar and the hydropower, and then realize all that stuff's evil, too. So then we have to tear all those down, which I guess we go back to, what, the 1800s or so for technology. We have to get rid of all the all the evil. We're going to we're going to go cyberpunk. Maybe all Mad everything Max. will be steam powered. Maybe there's plenty of that, I guess, if although you have to be able to generate the heat, this is where yeah. if you have a little nuclear reactor in your backyard, you'll be doing well. Exactly. Get some thorium reactors built. But that there has to be some thought pattern. I can't believe that with nations around the globe putting billions, if not trillions of dollars into solar and wind power that. There hasn't been some kind of study. If we do this, what's the negative effect of doing this? Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It's either ignorance or maybe it's nobody. Again, I'm just going to say, who's going to pay? I guess you're, you're saying the other technologies would be paying for those studies. And maybe they're worth approaching and talking about this stuff because there's, <clears throat> there's very little that you can do which will have no negative consequences at all. Most things have both a positive and a negative consequences. Yes, and when people it. talk about 
coal or talk about oil, it's all negative because of natural resource. Mm -hmm. We only have so much of it and the pollution aspect. But mm -hmm. I've never once heard anybody talk about. So this is actually enlightening, and I hate to give you a compliment because I know you hate getting compliments. But it's really enlightening because I've never even thought to go down that road, which was really what's the negative effect? And I know it's not cheap to build solar panels. I know it's not cheap to build the windmills. And I understand in some areas the windmills work better than others. And if you have salt air and stuff like that, these things corrode pretty quick. So the yep. replacing them costs a whole lot of money. But I never ever even considered the fact that throwing up a bunch of windmills in California might mess with the climate in Texas or, you know, wherever. Yeah. And, uh, or California needing more water as a result of it. Yes. Never even yeah. considered that. This may be one of the more nerdy topics we've ever hit on here. So <laughs> I, I, well, I, it was totally optional. Like I said, I, I can talk about this stuff if you want. It's certainly by no means like the only topic I give a shit about. It's just, Happened to be something I, I started tracking a little more closely about seven, eight months ago. Well, and I think a lot of people are interested in this. Uh, I could tell the trolls in the troll room are quite interested in this. Billy Bones actually said you were, or he was pretty much channeling you when he did a topic on a similar thing recently. And uh, more people need to consider that. Billy Bones does a great podcast, too. It's called A Walk Through the Mind. If you've never heard Billy. No, I've never listened. I, I'm going to have to check that out. He's, I will definitely add that to my list. And he's a millennial, but he's not all in on all the crazy millennial stuff. So he brings an interesting viewpoint to the table. This global warming stuff, one, I know, as we talked about last night, you're just, and I am, burned out on politics because yeah. it's, for a while when you cover politics, it's a fun game. For me, when I first start covering politics, it was great. I'm playing Rush Limbaugh. I get to yell and scream and tell everybody why they're dumb, which, I mean, there's a certain amount of fun to that for a while. But when every story is negative, when it's, is it, is, do you feel like there's not even a fight anymore between good and bad? It's between evil, bad, and just stupid, bad. There's, those are the two different yeah. sides. Now. Yeah. And for politics, and I'd mentioned this to you, part of the reason for my dribble of episodes lately on the podcast, I haven't stopped it technically, but it's it went from every other day to once every two weeks. Part of the reason, not not the whole reason, is that I really started feeling very depressed when I had to do an episode, and that was not the case when I started. I was very happy about that stuff, but because the the topics that I'm talking about are just depressing in the sense of this is really what we need to talk about. This is ridiculous. Most of this should be self-evident that there's bullshit afoot and <laughs> yes. it's, and the fact that people are going along with it is in itself depressing, but just covering more of the same kind of stuff every other day just started getting old. And what I found myself is instead of looking forward to recording an episode, or certainly when I was doing the interviews for the podcasting 2.0 people, that was really fun because I got to, Talk to people that are excited about something brand new that they're doing. They're participating and helping. And that was fun. But once I pretty much interviewed everybody that had a podcasting <laughs> app and then some, I went back to politics and I did it for a little bit. And then it just started dawning on me that, man, I'm not looking forward to recording. Like I have, I'll start saying to myself, I'll do it tomorrow instead of today. Yeah. And, I get that uh, yeah. And it's one of those things where. I have plenty to talk about, but it's not necessarily on the 
topic that the podcast started from. And I started, I get rather than changing topics, I guess I just really drastically slowed down the podcast up until the last few ones, which, and I think people that have listened to the pot, my podcast know about it, that my mom had a stroke and that meant I had this whole other set of responsibilities that I need to help my dad with and taking care of what's going to happen with her and getting her treatment and then finding a facility for her because she can't live at home. You're like her memory's got uh, a minute's worth of time in it at a time. So you just can't have somebody that can accidentally turn the uh, stove on and then right. walk away and then not know that she turned the stove on instantly. Yeah. So that's been preoccupying me and combined with the already sort of a man, I'm tired of politics thoughts. It, that just made me slow way the hell down, which again is why I'm so happy that you've now picked up the torch, agreed to do Sir Gene Speaks yes. on a regular basis. And I will certainly be happy to be a guest on my own podcast. But Once having somebody there like you just <laughs> taking care of it for me is a tremendous help. And, and I appreciate it greatly. Well, and that is a big part of it. You've done the solo show besides the interviews, which are obviously you're talking mm-hmm. to somebody else, unless they're the voices in your head. I've done the solo show. And those, they have their own hurdles to get over, which is if you don't have something you really want to talk about, it's way harder than coming into a show where you're going to be talking to somebody else because you can at least have some kind of feedback so you can, maybe it's a little bit more cathartic too, because there is that confirmation bias thing. If you come in and just bitch about Joe Biden did this and this, and it's, you're doing a solo show. You're just going through it and you're reading this and this. When you're doing it with a podcast with somebody else, you at least get, yeah, you're right. This is horrible. And it can go down different angles. And solo shows usually don't go off on massive tangents. I know I'll go off on little tangents that come to mind. But there's quite often when you're doing a show with somebody else, what you planned on talking about just never even makes it to the show because everything just has a life on its own. So I'm happy to be the this what would it be the sit-in sir gene yeah is that uh but maybe the only way this, that what we're talking about here is going to make it onto the no agenda stream because it appears <laughs> that crumpy old benz was removed from the uh from the rotation well, i heard that show ended so yeah. I, it doesn't really shock me <laughs> yeah i know it was a horrible show and it, it had to come to its uh eventual demise at some point like everything does even this world we are living on today will mm-hmm. eventually all just uh shrivel up and die but the the global warming stuff I think is really interesting. And that isn't while it's politically related, it's much more science related, which anybody that says any science is completely done and nothing needs to be talked about, you're no longer doing science. You've become a religion, I think was Ryan always said. It's a religion. Absolutely. And yeah. that is no longer good for anybody because you're not leaving the door open to oh, wait, we forgot this variable. That changes everything now. And if you're too tied into it, that's a little bit dangerous. But so it's it's interesting because you've obviously done more than a little bit of research on this topic. Now, is this just what you're doing in your spare time? Cause, or was this, were you planning on doing like a series or a show on this? Because- yeah, I was planning on doing like a series of maybe three episodes on the podcast on this topic. and. I kept feeling like I don't have quite enough stuff because what I want to do is have 
all the annotated references, all the links, everything people can just go and look at immediately after, because it is something that most people have not really heard anybody else talking about. So I'm not chiming in with my opinion around the topic that's getting popularized on the interwebs. Right. This is something that is going to be brand new for most people. And I don't want to say there's not been any research whatsoever on it. I, all I can say is I've not found any. So if there has been, it's well hidden. <laughs> and, and maybe that's by design. Maybe a lot of the research around the negative effect of pulling energy out of the, uh, the systems like our atmosphere and our, our oceans, maybe a lot of that research is being put behind closed doors. Right. I don't know. I, I, again, I don't even want to hi- hypothesize on that because that's <laughs> getting into conspiracy land. But yeah. all I know is this seemed like it shouldn't not be talked about. There, there are very straightforward physics principles involved here. And there are enough people that have done research which can be used to do this type of research that the data is, I don't want to say it's like super easily available, but you can find it. And so really, it's, this is no different than doing a, a, a graduate or postgraduate research in a specific unusual niche right. that no one else gives a shit about and then just spending a bunch of time doing the research and seeing what you can come up with. But like I said, the, the other fun aspect of this, if I can call it fun, is that it's not purely hypothetical. This is not doing stuff with theoretical physics, with black holes and stuff. This is, we've already done the necessary steps to be able to do a study, which is we build the damn windmills. Now all we have to do is observe them for the next hundred years and see what happens. Right. So uh, all I'm doing is just, accelerating that process a little bit based on available data and uh, and it could turn out to be that the effect is negligibly small Uh, and it could turn out to be that the effect is uh, part of what's causing very wet temperatures in austin it's hard to say and i don't want to make predictions yet that are that broad on it all i'm saying is it seems really strange that something so basic and simple hasn't been looked at well, yeah, because this thing. isn't this is a topic that is so politicized. I mean, we saw what happened with COVID and the vaccines that yeah. there's people on both sides pushing very strong narratives. But when it comes to the, the global warming, the just the overall narrative of the people who don't believe in global warming, that man is having a major effect on global warming. And we know natural global warming has happened, will continue to happen. but the effect that mm-hmm. man has had, most of the people who don't believe in it just go, ah, you're wrong. But never when it came to the, we need to go to solar and wind and all that, never once have I heard somebody even suggest that technology might be worse for the planet. And so that's why it's like, well, how has nobody come up with that? Because it's such a political issue. You would think that this would have been well-funded from the, again, the coal companies, the oil companies. This is how cigarette companies push that cigarettes were safe. Like mm-hmm. you said, nine out of 10 doctors say smoking all lucky will help with digestion after a meal. That's that kind of stuff that it does seem quite odd that nobody is talking about it except Sir Gene. So you're either brave or crazy or both. Yeah. And again, I may not have talked about this publicly, but I've talked my 
friends ears off on this topic adam will attest that most of my friends will say yeah quit talking about this shit we don't really care that is correcting me this is what the troll room is for planet of humans covered it as adam curry on the no agenda show but i don't remember adam covering it adam adam covered it after having dinner with me (laughs) that was was the driver for adam curry covering it so so you are uh, so you are adam's source on this so we're going oh yeah adam has login access to my weather stations so he he doesn't uh, talk about this stuff unless he's prompted to, but he certainly is a little more of a nerd than he maybe lets on in this aspect. I did um, enjoy Adam's story about you and him sitting out on the porch, and then all of a sudden your phone rings and it's somebody speaking to you in Russian, and that was just uh, yeah, and it was my watch, which was even better. So my 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 Adam says I can't remember what he was saying, but he was saying something controversial uh, yeah I, I think he described it in his story i'd already forgotten it by now but uh, something that made it even funnier that my phone rang right there and then through my watch essentially i got a call in russian on my watch and right in the middle of that conversation which the look on his eyes was uh, pretty damn funny <laughs> he's not he's not too sure about you gene that's why he's keeping you close he wants to yeah he definitely wants me closer than further away for sure i will say that i never really thought about it but like getting outside of austin city limits proper the vibe is more like what i remember austin city limits being 10 years ago there's no doubt it's changing from what it's more texan like austin is progressively becoming less and less texan right there's there's too many people moving out of california i would guess oh yeah yeah that are bringing their politics with them, that are bringing those ideals. And uh, Texas, I haven't been there in 20 years or so, but it was always known as more of uh, a John Wayne kind of state. That it was Adam Where men out, were men and women were women. Yes, Adam pulling out the judge on Leo's show and just mm-hmm. saying, everybody's polite here because everybody has one of these. I think yeah. that said a lot about <laughs> Texas too. And there's, exactly. there's a lot of people that moved in that now are like, ooh, guns are bad Mm -hmm. because you don't know how to use them. I have multiple guns within arm's reach. None of them have ever shot anybody. I don't know. I guess I'm doing it wrong. I could just. Yeah, that's you're missing a lot. Yeah, I need to go (laughs) and get some target practice down on the south side here of Chicago where it's fine. It's it's just all in a day's work. Well, the cops aren't going to do anything about it. That's for sure. Man, I feel bad for anybody that has to do that job, especially in a city like Chicago. It is thankless work. And I get that there are bad cops out there, but there's a lot of good cops who are doing their best to try to protect and serve. And when, you know, the mayor and the people in charge aren't, don't really have your back. That's, it makes it a lot tougher when they release the criminals back into the wild without holding them on bond yeah. when they refuse to prosecute people for a variety of things it's this is a further breakdown of society uh, well there was a movie that was based on a comic book that was like black and white and how was it called it was uh oh jessica alba was that the one yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. what uh, was that thing called i can't remember that something city something oh yeah yeah what's what was it since now was it since city, sin city, no? sin city so i feel like a lot of the stuff that we're seeing happening in larger cities right now are basically just showing them being transformed into Sin City, where it's lawless, there's underground activity and groups that are controlling different regions. You get whatever you want or need, and it's really not a big deal. The cops are all corrupt. The politicians are all corrupt. 
everybody's in somebody's pocket. And it's, I think it's happening in a lot of cities in California. We've got a history of that for probably a hundred years. Yeah, our dead with, vote with the dailies. I mean, the percentage of the dead voting in Chicago way higher than any other city. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Chicago was a mob run town. That's just historical knowledge. And it, it's always fun doing like the mob tours in Minneapolis where I grew up because inevitably all the mob tour places, they talk about the mobsters that were there and they were generally hiding out from being in Chicago. Makes so, sense. Like, Minneapolis was where the mobsters went when they were wanted in Chicago. <laughs> it was far enough away. Yeah. It was like a day's travel. Nobody's going to find me here. The, the beauty of the world before the internet, when if you committed a crime, I mean, I'd love the old Western movies where it's like, ah, you killed somebody in this state, so you moved to the next state over. Yep. It's like, you're not wanted there. The The last instance of that type of thing that I experienced was... In fact, in driving from Minneapolis to Chicago one year, I managed to be caught by a Wisconsin policeman. And apparently in Wisconsin back in the 90s, it was illegal to drive 130 miles an hour on the highway. <laughs> you know, I bet it still is, Gene. I don't know if that's the case anymore because I lost my Wisconsin driving privileges permanently. <laughs> I was perma banned from Wisconsin. <laughs> I was not allowed See? to drive through the state. I had to drive through Iowa to get to Illinois. You're laughing now, but that ban never expired. That is um, inconvenient. I'm still, I'm still technically not allowed to be behind the wheel of a, a motor vehicle in the state of Wisconsin. That is very inconvenient. If you live in the area anyway. If you live in the area. Now, I just started flying over it after that instead of driving through it. But I could see for some people... That would be a, a major inconvenience to not be able to drive through Wisconsin. I'm assuming you had to go to court. Did you give some kind of defense? Well, I decided to, this? to not go to court. You just decided. And they decided to, to make it permanent. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I, I, one of my uh, brother in law's buddies was once doing 85 and a 40 or something. Mm -hmm. And uh, he, he went to the traffic court, and uh, his defense was he was defending his lane. <laughs> oh, nice. I'm like, defending his lane. Like, from what? You know, Russian. Yeah. Apparently they use helicopters in Wisconsin, or at least used to. They got to make and, money, Gene. And and there was a mandatory court hearing if you were going double the speed limit. So, I don't know. It's a weird state. They, they have to make their money somewhere. They're not pulling enough in at the broad stop. All I know is in, when you go to Texas, if you don't want to even think about cops, just get on the toll road. You, you can go any speed you want on the toll road. It's close to that here, too. At least it was prior to the pandemic. I don't know if it's the same. Although. The worrisome thing is, because my wife travels down one of the toll roads back and forth to work, now mm -hmm. for them to collect the tolls, they use one of them little RFID things. Right. And it's not hard math when you go through multiple RFID checkpoints. Figure out how fast you're going. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's. They, the RFID, we did, uh, I watched the video of them doing a test on those here in Texas. They wanted to see if they ever not work, if you're going too fast, could you be going fast enough <laughs> to, to not, not register? Right. So they got one of the new Corvettes and it's, I think 200 miles an hour and or 186 miles an hour, whatever it was. And so they, in, this is fully in accordance with the Texas police department or department of uh, public safety or whatever. They did these tests. So they stuck one of these hatch things on the, Corvette and then slowly started at 100 miles an hour and kept going faster and faster. 
to see if there was a point at which the reader would no longer work. Not really a huge surprise to me. The reader never stops working. So they pick you up regardless of your speed. You may, maybe there is a speed, but it's, it's not one you're going to achieve on land. Right. That, that thing's not going to work anymore. But it was fun to watch these guys going through the toll gates at 200 miles an hour. That was pretty cool. <laughs> for for like, science. Damn. Yeah. For science. Yeah, yeah. Totally for science. Exactly. But and so I think the point of the video was to tell people, don't try and do this. It's not going to work. And it's probably not good for endangering everybody around you if you're just trying to outrace the reader for the toll road. Right. That's not going to be. It's, you're still going to get. Yeah. Yeah. You're still going to get that. Now, if you I had... remember a story somebody was telling me, I think it was of them in New Jersey on the toll pike, the, the turnpike there, where they had done a significantly above the speed limit speed. And upon exit, the toll taker said, okay, so here's what can happen here. You can pay the, the fine uh, or the, and then the fine. You can pay the toll like normal. And then you will be picked up by the cop that's a half a mile down the road <laughs> for speeding. Or you can back up and sit here off to the side for the next seven minutes and then come through and pay the toll. Nice. And then you can be on your way. It's totally up to you. I don't care which one you choose. Now, I'm sure I'm and, assuming the police don't want them warning. Yeah, people. I'm sure the cops would prefer that the toll takers not tell people this. Although the toll takers the- seem to be in a good enough mood to give my buddy a uh, choice, which he took and just sat in the car for seven minutes uh, so that he didn't flag the toll or the cops through his toll. I suppose the reality is that would be a way to get people to slow down. If they know that's coming when they're trying to exit, then there's no reason to speed, maybe? Yeah, it's true. It is definitely using Big Brother as a deterrent, though. Yes. Oh, no, there's no doubt, which is why all of this stuff, when they're keeping this information, they're tracking this information. I think the last I heard, there was something in this new huge infrastructure bill that Mm -hmm. is going through the system right now that was again adding something in that was going to pave the way to bring in the pay per mile concept which is just horrendous when i'm gonna guess california does it first probably all the states because they're the ones that really pushed electrical vehicles with tax breaks and electrical vehicles don't fill up at the pump and so the tax revenue from the pump is being switched from everybody to just the percentage of your population that doesn't drive electric vehicles. Yes. And so the idea of charging everybody, of course, on top of the fees you pay at the pump, but charging everybody a flat per mile fee to use public roads, which really become private roads at that point. Again, this um, is very similar to what we were just talking about. Do the people, when you're pushing for this, not realize the government's pushing for all electric vehicles didn't go mm-hmm. How much money are we making a year from the tax and the gasoline? Nobody asked that question. Exactly. And and I'm sure somebody did. But again, this type of very obvious answer was pushed out of the way because what was important at the time was to get more people using electric vehicles for the environment. Of course, for the environment. Use use that wind turbine energy. It's much better. Yeah. yeah. Use, Use the wind. It's free. Might as well. There's no toll on that. It, it, yeah, it's a renewable thing. It, it, you're not mm-hmm. even you're not even taking anything out of the environment, Gene. No, it's just like always there. So you might as well. That's 
I don't think that's true anymore. I believe that to a certain extent two hours ago, but now, <laughs> now no. he's starting to question that. Now I'm starting to question that. But. Exactly. And to be fair, you know, that we still have huge temperature gradients. And as long as we have large temperature gradients on the planet, there will still be wind that blows around. So we haven't completely stopped all wind, but the speed with which that wind moves could absolutely be affected. And no doubt will affect the weather patterns around yeah. where the windmills are. Yeah. And potentially we believe that whole butterfly effect thing which there's some pretty good evidence for, then it could also affect it. You could see effects in areas that you would not normally associate with that. Like somebody in Hawaii or Australia could start seeing a change in their local weather because of this as well. It's like some of these sandstorms, dust storms that travel over the ocean. It's, I, I still can't wrap my brain around that. Right. They bring sand from Africa to Florida. Yeah. It's like, how does that work? I understand how it works, but it's, it's almost incomprehensible to believe that happened. So, of course, any little change you make in those areas has to have some kind of effect. Maybe it's good. Maybe it's bad. But it, it depends what, I guess, what your end result is, what you're wanting. But there's no doubt that it has to have some kind of an effect. Yeah. Yeah. We're we're not doing these things in a complete vacuum. <laughs> we're, we're uh, ta -da -ta. Yeah, if we were, uh, that would be, uh, there would be a lot yeah. less energy. We'd have no wind then. God damn it. <laughs> wind power does uh, not work in a vacuum. Yeah, it's okay. Totally switch topics. You know how in, in science fiction that you have a split between lasers that are shot in space, which then you wonder where's the power source strong enough to have a laser that actually does real damage. And then you have kinetic projectiles like guns. People are shooting in space. Here's an interesting thing. Neither one of those stops. Unless they hit something. Yeah, that would make sense. So both that laser shot and that bullet that you just fired, they're just going to keep going until there's something that ends up stopping them, until they run into something. Which could be so, a long ways away. So here's, this is the best argument for the non-existence of aliens. If there were more species like us in the other planets. Our planet would have been blown up by We probably would have experienced... <laughs> bullets falling out of the sky or meteors or whatever they, they, there would be effects that were created by other intelligent life that would be detrimental to us that would seem so, to make sense if not seeing a whole lot of these negative effects it's not to say that proves there's no life but it, it's certainly that there's a slightly lesser chance of life since we're not seeing those effects well there's that and then how many decades have people been listening to radio waves yeah. coming from outer space uh, same thing like we're looking for patterns we're looking for and i know every now and then something comes in that they can't quite explain but it's a similar thing if there's stuff out there it came from somewhere whether it's a physical object whether it's radio waves something created it and who knows oh yeah no there's and it's not to say that we would immediately recognize some other intelligent species radio waves or their equivalent thereof we we may not discern that from complete static and random noise but we might that's the thing is you're going from no chance to at least some chance which is a huge jump really when you think about it mm -hmm. one little thing it's like the concept of we know that time travel will never exist because if it does Somebody would have come back by now to, to screw the whole thing up. Yeah, in the sense that time travel is portrayed on 
in movies and, and television. Isn't that the reality? We're all time travelers. You oh, were here, here in yes. the past and you're here today. I know it's or not were necessarily you? true. Or were you? Yes, you never know. <laughs> I don't know. I could be omniscient. Uh, it's hard to tell. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there's a physicist that has a YouTube channel. <laughs> I just want to say, Bull Moose said, hold on to your pants. This is the screwed up timeline. That makes sense, actually. <laughs> this is the screwed up timeline? Yeah, yeah, this is it. Damn it. How do we get stuck in the screwed up timeline, Gene? You, you, I, the whole timelines thing, I think, has been overdone, personally. Probably. Uh, the, I think that all the non-screwed up timelines only exist in your head. Ooh. Like all the voices. Yes, maybe both of those things. But <laughs> it's I think that there's been a, a sort of a, a pop science kind of fascination with this idea that we're going down the railroad track and there's a split into another track at every fraction of a second or more, way more than that, obviously. But that there's always all these choices happening. And I think people like the idea of imagining the universe as a set of choices rather than seeing it as a complex machine that interacts in predictable ways where you could, given enough computing power, predict the, the outcome in a future. So whether it's predestination or whether it's the timelines theory, I think both are fun for science fiction to talk about, but they have very little to do with reality. Well, they're entertaining. That's all that matters. Yeah. So there is the scientist I mentioned, Sabine Hassenfelder, She's a German theoretical physicist. Really like her. She's really cool. She does dorky, funny, stupid videos. She sings. And she is actually one of the brightest uh, minds in physics today. And she's goofy looking too. So you got like a little bit of everything. But the reason I brought her up is that she had an episode, which I'm looking for as we're speaking, but it's title was something like, no, aliens are not listening to your radio. Oh, why not? I'm listening to good uh, stuff. It, it's, and she goes through to using physics, believe it or not, <laughs> to explain a lot of pop physics and why it's wrong and why a lot of things that we assume are true in physics and we attribute to physics are really just their models built for non-physicists to try and imagine something that physicists talk about mathematically. So basically uh, dumbing it down a little bit? Not just dumbing it down, but making it, I think, a little more interesting. Well, uh, yes, so I guess you're right. Theoretical they, physics can be from... sold to people. Yeah. That's true. Uh, and she, like, she really brags on string theory in general. She's the, on the other side of that whole argument. But she had a really good episode about flat Earth and how, how flat Earth is hypothesis is wrong but it's not stupid and and then she had a she had an episode on 5g everything you need to know about 5g that was pretty good yeah the only thing you um, need to know is most people turn it off which is turn, turn off the 5g's yeah, yeah because exactly. it's not really needed it's well i agree with you from that count. Uh, my 4g on my uh, iphone had 100 megs down and i don't know 20 megs up or something Four years ago, right. like what I, my speed at home is faster. I've got a, uh, a gig both ways, but I don't really need something more than 100 megs on my phone. I'm not sure why there's this giant need for a, a whole new system other than to sell more iPhones. Well, that could be it. So Apple or, can spy on you. Phones in general. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Apple spying. That's a fun topic. So now we're this is we're getting into politics here again. <laughs> Apple spying through the phones, or maybe spying isn't quite the right word. They're they're simply searching for pedophiles. Let's just be accurate about what they're doing. This is the initial program that they're talking about. And mm-hmm. this is, I think, the epitome of something that's being done under the guise of something that everybody can agree with. Oh, don't you want to save the planet, Gene? Oh, don't you yeah. want to protect the children? Yeah. yeah, or kill Hitler. Right. Now, they're doing this in the guise of we're just using this for this. And of course, on the other on the other side of the argument is everybody, and I think the EFF is coming down on this side, is a slippery slope if you start looking for child porn on yeah. people's phones, then what's going to stop you from looking for X, Y, and Z? Oh, yeah. Nothing, of course. And especially nothing when you get a subpoena for it from the government. Yes. Now you're showing, yeah, they have in the past. Now you're showing you can technologically do something so they can compel you with a subpoena under the power of law and prison to do it as well. Right. And they've always claimed they didn't have the ability. So adding this. And that was their whole argument for we're not going to help the FBI break encryption on an iphone because we can't we like we don't have the keys and if we came up with a method to do it for the government then that would show everybody that we have a method to do it which we don't because we don't have it right but now that that was their argument yes and i think they're trying to obfuscate that a little bit with saying what's a hash that's all you're never this is not really looking at what's on your device it's all going to be done locally but that doesn't that doesn't make me feel any well better. that's even worse if it's done locally they're essentially using the cpus on your machine that you own to do work for them yes i never authorized that oh wait that was a 27 page <laughs> agree to this before we can install Eula, an ios baby. update wasn't yeah. there yeah you yeah, i guess i did agree to it because yeah, everybody does and everybody of course what are you gonna not use your phone yeah good luck with that well, right yeah i think you i think no they're <laughs> Yeah, they can do anything they want, ultimately. In fact, South Park had an episode, remember? Um, if for those of you that watch South Park, they had an episode about the, the terms of service and Steve Jobs. And there was something in there. I think it was the same episode that had the human centipede in it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was, that yeah. was, distur- that was one of the that more was, disturbing concepts. Well, it was a disturbing movie. If you ever watched that movie, it's like, how did this get made? Weird stuff. I mean, I get made. it. It's in the horror genre. You can make stuff that seems weird in the horror genre, but of all the different horror genre movies, that's the one you're going to make? Jesus Christ. Pushing the limits. And it's, it's not even pushing the limits. It's like a literally a 12 year old boy's what's the grossest thing you can think of fantasy? Yes. And let's do it's that. It's not extreme, cruel, kind of nasty horror behavior. This is just gross. Agreed. So, yeah, it's the thing with hashing is I think when people that don't know what hashing is hear that they're just using hashes, it's, oh, okay. Well, as long as they're not getting at my real image, that's, it's like the term metadata for phones. Right. We're not like recording the phone call. We're just recording who you talked with for how long, where were you geographically located when you did it? Where was the other person geographically when you did it? And which cells did you switch from one to the other? Like everything around the phone call may actually have more interesting information about you than the contents of the call. 
Right. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of information being given. And of course, they'll tell you, well, we have to do this Mm -hmm. in order to guarantee the highest quality service. Yeah. Which is total bullshit. But yeah. yeah. And I, for one, I'm kind of looking forward to one of the satellites. Or I used to have a sat phone I used for a long time. And then it just became increasingly pain in the ass factor to use compared to a cell phone. Like it used to be that your sat phone <coughs> was pretty similar to your normal phone in terms of feature set. Just worked. And then the sat phones never moved at all from that for the last 15 years. Because it like, why it's most people only need them for emergency reasons or if you're either hiking or you're on a boat at sea and there is no other phone to use right. which was i used it on cruise ships and stuff i used it if i was somewhere where the phone signal was crappy in europe or really somewhere else i was traveling but i saw a little blurb that we are going to have a company that's doing kind of something similar to what elon musk's satellite internet is doing they're going to be doing a satellite phone solution that is based on a much closer and cheaper satellite constellation than the current satellite phone devices like Iridium and the others that are out there. So we may have cooler, more interesting feature satellite phones before too long, or maybe even not even phones, but just a little square box that you can carry with you if you need to use the satellite as a phone. And it'll just talk in Wi-Fi or Bluetooth to your main phone. Right, which makes so sense. You can, yeah, so I think that is going to be coming soon, which is good. Uh, because obviously, if you make a phone call from sat phone, there is no caller ID data that was sent. This could literally be coming from anywhere on Earth. And so if you're getting a call on it, there is technically a caller ID number, but that number is based on you, not on them. It's because it's always going to be a local number that you get called from. Uh, at least that's the way it used to work. So if I call somebody from the set, whatever area code they were in, was would that's what my phone would show up as. That's weird. I was set up that way because I, I didn't want uh, people calling me back on the <laughs> set phone. So I just used the local number for that. Makes sense. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I think privacy is just, it's not dead, but it's on its last leg. <laughs> Yeah. Whatever privacy used to mean doesn't actually mean that anymore. Yeah, I think that has really gone down the aisle. And uh, Bacon Dude's asking what the name of the chat client that I've been talking about was. It's Tox. And that's what I've been using for probably the last few months because my wife works out of the house. I'm in the house. So we would normally just be texting back and forth. And because mm -hmm. I'm lazy and I don't like texting from my phone, we were mm -hmm. using a Google Voice number. And it's, you realize that every message that you're sending back and forth oh, is being analyzed yeah. yeah, and being logged by Google and all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's like, don't want it. So I set up a tox client and uh, set one up on her phone. And now it just works. And allegedly there's no middleman and there's nobody that's monitoring all of that. And people that use, I know a lot of people use Facebook, Facebook messenger Ugh, to talk horrible. to their family, right? And Why would you want to talk to your family? Why would you want to use Facebook? <laughs> well, there's there's two. Those are two different questions. Some people may have similar answers for both. So you, you don't like the Israeli technology spying on you with Telegram or the Russians with Signal? Right. Some reason? That's exactly what? it. It's like always there's somebody in there that's and that's why the open source stuff, although the open source stuff can still be, uh, you know, hacked. I'm sure there's uh, 
ways to, if people really want your data, they'll figure out a way to get it. But it's like, why make it easy? A lot of people just use SMS for so many things. And you hear relatively all the time of people that are caught committing all sorts of heinous crimes where it's, and then they got their text records and Mm -hmm. here's, you know, it's like, what you, you message people about this. And you, you, like you couldn't use SMS or any other messaging platform. There's this thing that people used to use that exists, still exists. It's called a code. And it's amazing how many people don't use codes. They just say shit. Yes. Type stuff exactly of what they're trying to say. Rather than trying to obfuscate it. We talked about that with the big honeypot network that was taken down through Australia, through Europe, Mm -hmm. I think in the United States, that the criminals that bought these devices thought they were so secure that they stopped speaking in code. And like, that's what took you down. Don't you get it? It's a hard market to sell into. If you're trying to sell to criminals uh, and you're trying to sell some good tools into that market, it's like. They they have such a strong disbelief in anybody telling them the truth that they will go out of their way to not use something that's actually useful. Yes. No, I agree. And people are just dumb and they leave all sorts of evidence on their devices. And it's yeah. Or worse yet, when it comes to devices like Apple, I bet you there are a fairly high percentage of people that use the Apple devices who have no freaking clue that their stuff is being backed up to iCloud, which is on by yeah, default. Yeah, I'm sure there are, yeah. You Although if you, if you have enough stuff, it'll right. tell they you want that money. you should buy more. Yes. Buy more space. They want money at that point. Like, your mm-hmm. iCloud is filled. It's, oh, no, I don't want to buy more. But this is the first time a lot of people realize that all their data is going into the cloud where there is no encryption protection on the iCloud stuff, which I always thought was interesting as well. So. If you have evidence on your iPhone, Apple's right, at least at that point, that they couldn't break the encryption on your phone. But yeah. if the stuff was backing up to iCloud, they're like, oh, no, here it is. <laughs> Don't use the cloud. And- yeah. And and again, it's not to say that iCloud is stored unencrypted. It's absolutely encrypted. It's just that Apple has the encryption key for iCloud and yes. they don't have it for your phones. Yes. And that's a big difference. But I get what this whole latest hubbub that Apple is doing. I get exactly what's going on and Apple's pushing it as this is to protect the children. And I don't know, technically they're right, but what this won't pick up is if somebody is actually abusing a child and taking video and photo of it, whatever they're doing, that's not going to get tagged. That's so not going to get think flagged. It is bullshitty and it's just opening a door that doesn't need to get open. Because if you're really looking at using hashes for comparing images, that means that they can only find images that they already have the hashes to. Exactly. So the Apple's got the biggest collection of kitty porn in the world now. Right. Is that not and a problem? They're going, they're, they're going to compare everybody else's collections of kitty porn with their collection of kitty porn to try and find matches. But what they're not going to be able to find are, like you said, videos uh, or images of new kitty porn. So all the new stuff you're safe to have, apparently, according to Apple anyway, 
but all the old kitty porn they're going to be able to find. So this seems like it's actually pro new kitty porn, which I mean, Apple, good way. To- Who's funding this, right? <laughs> yes. it's the kitty porn lobby apparently is uh, behind this whole thing. Yeah. Uh, which would make sense because that's that is the elites. They do enjoy their kitty porn. And I didn't think that part of this whole thing was all that useful to begin with because of the way the hashes are working. The other part of this, I thought, was much more concerning when it came to if you set the account up because if you have an apple iphone mm-hmm. and it's on a family plan so you know if you have kids and yeah. they have an iphone you can set it up that this is a child's plan and you can say if right. they're under i think 12 is the it's 12 and 18 are the cutoffs for their different mm-hmm. plans and if you have a child plan which it was pointed out immediately by tom merritt when i saw him covering this was so if you have an abusive husband who gives the wife the phone he could just set her phone as well this belongs to a 12 year old Mm-hmm. And what this is going to do, although I think it's only with people using Apple messaging, which also makes it a lot less useful because there's a lot of different ways that people can send photos and video mm-hmm. chat and all that other stuff than using Apple's direct apps. Although I'm guessing this kind of technology is going to snowball on the Apple devices. But if somebody was using the Apple Messenger and it was marked as a child's account, and they try to send a, you know, dick pic or picture of boobs, mm-hmm. then the machine learning was going to be like, well, nope, nope, that's sexual organs. eyes, not going to allow that. And it would warn mm-hmm. the person that was sending it or receiving it. And like, do you really still want to send this? And if they did then send it, it was going to send a copy of it also to the parental unit. Whoever's on the record as the main yeah. account, that phone is on. Well, and that. That kind of brings up another question because I haven't really dug into this. It just didn't seem all that interesting. But if they're using hashes, then the limitation is they have to have the hash for each thing they're looking for. Yes, which is if a they're lot. using AI for image inspection. Yes, then they don't need the hashes. But then they're actually looking at the image data. Yes, which they're saying they're not doing. Yes. So if they have so. If it's the hashes, I don't know how useful it is other than finding old kitty porn yes, that they already possess. Yes. Yeah. And if they're using AI, they're saying they're not doing it for image analysis. But my question is, if they're using AI, how many parents are going to get flagged for having nude images of their kids running around the house, playing in the bathtub, doing whatever kids do quite often after thinking it's hilarious to run around naked? That could certainly happen, and that is one of the fears. Now, here, this is allegedly only going to affect the phones that are marked as a child's account to keep them from sending and receiving nude photos. But if the technology is there and it's looking for this, then yes, there's... uh, If you want to get into conspiracy theory, if you've got technology that's analyzing and looking for photos that could be kitty porn, what better way to aggregate the newest, latest kitty porn than to actually have a company do it on your behalf as one of those wealthy elite. When they're harvesting the adrenochrome? They're harvesting everything. They're harvesting (laughs) images. They're harvesting the blood, the adrenochrome. They're harvesting everything because that's how you live for a long time. Maybe. But it's very concerning that Apple seemingly is making this fork in the road here from, nope, we don't have the ability, we can't give you any information off of anybody's phones to, Hey, wait, we have this brand new technology. All right. And it's, 
a hardware company just has no business doing that in the first place. That's my stance. That's just not a function that you need to provide if you sell a hardware product. Well, if the you're a software thing- company, you can have, we have the super clean OS that'll right. look through every one of your images. Okay, fair enough. Now, but as a hardware company. That's it. Because part of this was, again, if the phone is marked as a kid's phone and they want to send a picture of whatever that gets flagged, a copy of that goes to the main person on that account, which also then points out that the concept that their messages are all end-to-end encrypted is not really true because you find that those messages could be rerouted to somebody else. So right. that's not really end-to-end encryption anymore. So it seems like everything they're doing is showing that you really shouldn't trust their apps anymore. And I don't know why they do that because I don't think yeah, and that's, this is why I've been sending all my stuff through signal lately. <laughs> I because, don't trust any of those. Yeah, no, that's fine. I, I, it's not a question of trust. It's a question of making it too easy. Right. Right. That's why the telegrams and signals and all those have a certain amount of protection over using your SMS app because that you have. Yeah. Like literally any email client in the world other than Gmail is safer than Gmail. That's true. I believe. Yeah. I think statistically it's true. Google might argue that they're just trying to ensure the highest quality experience for their users. But Apple, that's just weird. It's weird. And it does work. If you use a product that is in very small user base, like that's a perfectly valid way to ensure a higher degree of safety because you're just staying off the radar. It's not a guarantee of 100% by any means, but it's better than being on the most commonly used product out there. Yes. And for people that know what they're doing, it's not hard to secure your own communications. This is where the argument comes in from governments. The bad guys, of course, are going to use this and now we can't listen in on their calls, but it's find another way because The privacy aspect, I think, trumps most other things that, you know, it's. uh, Well, you got to remember that back years ago, not that many years ago, but some years ago, that Phil Zimmerman of PGP was sued because he was shipping munitions out of the U.S. And because encryption software is defined as munitions, according to U.S. code. So you're not, even if you create it yourself, you're not allowed to export uh, software code that is providing encryption services. Now, I believe that's been amended at this point, that now there there is an allowance to do that. Right. But back when PGP first surfaced, that was not the case. And so encryption technology developed inside the United States, even by a private entity, was not allowed to be shared with anybody outside of the United States. Right. Well, that's for a long time. Browsers weren't allowed to have the same level of encryption abilities. Outside. That's right. Yeah. 128 inside. And what was it? I can't remember what. It was 56 dumb. outside. Yeah. 56, I believe. Yeah. Because they could break that easily. And it's, and it's not mm-hmm. any protection at all. So don't use it because if you can break yeah. it. But you realize the only thing that's happened is the NSA got uh, the ability to break 128. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, oh, yeah, sure, go ahead. No, we, we trust you guys now all of a sudden. You can use the full 128 anywhere. This is why you said, Gene, people need to learn how to still speak in code. You yes. don't want to be like, hey, here's a thought. How about a language other than English? <laughs> See, that would do it, too. 
for most like, that's all it takes makes it very hard you don't even have to make up your own language just something no. people aren't familiar with yeah like spanish right which you would think but the number of bilingual americans it's in the single digits you know and that and, includes working at agencies and i'm telling you i barely am functional with english and i know a lot of people make fun of our mm-hmm. buddy csb over on uh no agenda social, but he speaks like four or five different languages. And it's, that's way more than I could ever even attempt to. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. You gotta remember English is not his, his default language by any means. And his written English is perfectly fine. Yes. And hilarious so, with his little doodles. It, yes. Yes. He has funny doodles. He has a somewhat bizarre sense of humor at times <laughs> where I'm trying to figure out what if this is funny, whereas what if this is just an insult <laughs> or both, but, but well, if if it's both, it's fine. I'm okay with both. But sometimes you're like you can't find the funny in it. But in general, I think yeah, CSB's got a perfectly acceptable. Let's put it this way: CSB's English is better than 99 percent of the American population's second language. Yes, no doubt. And with it, I do have a few experts to thank for today's show, including cool. CSB coming in at uh, the fifty dollar level. Jay Codicini. 50 bucks with the note that says RIP grumpy old Benz. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's just like when people send flowers to a funeral, I, I guess. guess maybe Jay. So yeah. thank you. So who was he intending that for? I don't know. He <laughs> came into grumpy old Benz, but it's, I guess. So well, should that payment be refused then if, if there's no such thing anymore or how's that work? I, I don't know. I'm guessing I still have to put hmm. together. The uh, final payout to Ryan, this mm. will still be, you know, split because mm-hmm. I'm fair and honest and maybe too much. Mm-hmm. Somebody on somebody on Twitter said I was too nice. Well, let's not take it overboard. I know. I'm like, you haven't been listening, but we appreciate that, Jay. And then coming in at 25 bucks all the way from the Netherlands, our buddy Blom came in with a little note that said, hello, Pfizer BioNTech. Great news. A donation in your name of $25 has been made to the Grumpy Old Ben's podcast and shall be divided between the host, Darren. 33.33% and Ryan 66.67%. Thank you wow. for all the work you do. Love is lit. Now I'm guessing this was because on one of the last shows that I did with Ryan, there were a few people like our buddy truck driver who comes in with a donation and then says, split it between your three shows. This one random thoughts ah. and the rock and roll pre-show. Got it. So I think this was Blom's thinking that Ryan deserved a little bit extra for his work and i'm not going to disagree with that and then well, he does deserve extra he's the one that had to do all these bands right <laughs> he's, he's he's exhausted from all i the, mean that's genuine work and uh then blom followed up with like shortly thereafter oh i just listened to the previous episode where i heard ryan pull the plug sad news hope you two get back together so we appreciate it blom i offered on the last show and this is a continuing thing mm-hmm. In the short term here, if you sent in something and you didn't know that the show had been transformed now, or if you wanted your donation back, let me know. We're certainly not mm-hmm. in the position where we want to feel like we're fleecing you and you you gave to something that is no longer there or whatever. I'm going to still keep doing shows. I hope Gene will yeah. join me every now and then. I'd be happy to let you. I'll happily join both of you guys individually or together when, when that's right. <laughs> When the Ben Rose Speaks shows up, I totally will be a guest on there. I'm sure that is in the pipeline. But speaking of CSB, he came in 
with 0.00033 Bitcoin, which was $15.27 as of the beginning of today's show, because Bitcoin's going up and down. Damn, it's falling, CSB. And he asked me to mention the URL of his podcast and his blog, which he does a, all of his doodles are up at comicstripblog.com, and you could view those cartoons and have a whole lot of fun. And I always get a kick out of what he's doing. And he has a podcast, believe it or not, Gene, but he doesn't talk. He sends a script to somebody yes. who speaks it. The guy's name's Gwiff, if you don't know Gwiff. And he speaks much better English than either one of you. Yes, it's, it's the Queen's English. It's the English accent makes it sound so much more. What's it? The, it's a hell of a deal. Right? And I, I was like, God damn, that's the CSB figured out something we all should have done a long time ago. Get somebody Outsource to do the, the speaking portion of the podcast. Yeah, that's not a horrible idea. And you can find the... Uh, podcast he does, which is on AI, it's at AI.cooking, which I think it's maybe genius that he got a domain that ends in .cooking rather than .com or anything. But he says, of course, you can find that in any podcast player app, and you should check it out. He does cover the world of AI, and sooner or later, CSB will just be able to write an AI that'll be able to replace Bemrose, replace me, replace you, and then the podcast will just keep coming, and we can be on a beach somewhere. It's not a bad idea. That, exactly, exactly. And every time I run into an interesting AI story or video, I always tag uh, CSB on No Agenda Social on that, and then he'll usually reply with some snide remark about how that's old and that's been done before. Why, why, Gene, why you send that to me? No, it's old. Do not send me garbage. Okay, I think you're morphing into Fozzie Bear. <laughs> it's a little Fozzie. It's a little Grover near. This is Grover Far. I'm CSB. No. It's got, I know, it's got to have a little more heft. I need to practice that. I need to you, practice you, that. You have to be screaming a little bit. Yes, he does not like my shouty voice. He's no. I always talking in a shouty voice. Uh, it's, it's just, sometimes it, you need that to get heard. It's what JCD calls the authoritative voice, and which is why nobody will hire me, according to JCD, because it's, everybody wants the little soy boy now, like, oh, welcome, yeah, yeah let me talk to you about this. No, that's. Oh, you can totally pull that off. We can. Well, once again, I need practice. But also coming in today, Linda Sarunian at 15 bucks. Keith Von Dyke, 10 bucks. He's been coming in for a long time. Loretta Rett Vandenberg with 10 bucks. The people over at Patreon, and there are some, like you said, Manny Shevitt's still sticking with us over there. Brian Janak with 10 bucks. Dennis Woods, five. Steve McConnell, five. Steve E, five. Manny Shevitt's at five. He says, keep on going, man. He's sticking with the show, whatever that may mm. be. Uh, That's cool. And Ray, Raymond Zorger came in with five bucks on PayPal with the note, please, Ryan Bemrose, come back. See, so Ryan has his fans. I consider myself a fan of Ryan. I always enjoyed arguing with Ryan. And mm -hmm. my, I'm sure my blood pressure has gone down, though, Gene. Let me just say, given that it took me like three months to get him on as a guest. True. I would not be surprised if he was on back on in three months. Could be. It could just be the itch that he'll, he'll want to scratch that and Maybe want somebody I'll to do the hard a, work. I'll have him be a guest on the Sir Gene Speaks episode that you're hosting. <laughs> so a phone boy wants the soy boy to be the cold open. That's probably uh, not a bad idea. And Brian Hall comes in at $2.93. We do work on the value for value model. Grumpyoldbenz.com slash donate for now. Again, everything is in flux. So just understand that. This name may go away at any given time. We may morph into something else. My hey, you should Larry, auction it off. You, you, you own the domain, right? Yes, you should yeah. auction it off. Could be. There's definitely a audience that is on the RSS feed 
That's oh, it's still- worth something to like boner pills salesman. It's totally worth something. <laughs> I'll, I'll take you to the guys over at who are these podcasts. Maybe Carl could use it. That might not be a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but just understand, we appreciate everybody's support, everybody for listening. And I don't know where exactly we're going, but we'll figure it out here at some point with any of this or stuff. Gay old boaters might want their domain back. <laughs> be like, yeah, yeah. I thought it was the gr- grand old boys or something like that. Good old boys, the good old boys. Yeah, yeah. It's the it's the good old blues brothers band, wasn't that the the bit from the blues brothers? Where are you? You're the good old boys. Yep. And then they they went into rawhide while people mm-hmm. were throwing bottles at them through the chicken wire, which is how it feels with the troll room every now and then. Yeah, like, I will say that the House of Blues in Chicago is nothing like that chicken wire place. No, it's very nice. The last time I was there, I saw Uncle Ted Nugent, and mm-hmm. couldn't hear for a week. I would never go again without earplugs because that was yeah why would you i don't know i was young and i was naive gene don't you can't you tell i'm still young and naive yeah but i want to thank you for hanging out with us and people should i still be sending them to sirgene.com or if they're only going to hear this now sirgene speaks hey the podcast is up and running especially now that you're hosting so absolutely sirgene.com or podcast.sirgene.com like I said, I'd be more than happy to just pump my content over to your feed because that's the only way it's going to make it on the stream. You need to. Yeah. yeah I need exactly. it's, it's undercover. It's just nobody will notice. Why, why does Sir Gene's show go from a half hour to five <laughs> hours long? Well, I, the last episode you and I did together was about that long. So, yeah. Yeah, they go because we bloviate, which is why we'll have you back on. I don't know if you want to mm-hmm. do this on a regular weekly basis. If you need that kind of an outlet, I'm always here to listen. Sure. It is definitely easier doing these types of podcasts. I've said this before that I think that the reason there are so many dual host podcasts out there, contrary to what BSB thinks, is because it's easier to do one like that, not harder. Yes, so, and more entertaining, I think. And I don't think it is. I think. No, I know you always said you liked random thoughts better than grumpy old bags I, because it was yeah. more on target. And not just because it was shorter. And just shorter. Not just because of that. But it was no. on topic. But it was topical. And, and I, I think that there's a greater amount of density of content in a single podcast or show than there is in a couple of people yakking back and forth uh, with each other. So your density is lower in a podcast with multiple hosts. So you pretty much have to listen at like 3X or 4X. But you talk slower than I. That's the problem. I do. I I absolutely do. Yes. So with the two of us on the show, the problem is if people really speed it up, you'll sound great, but I'll sound like Alvin and the Chipmunks. And that's the point. And I do want to thank that just checked 99 people currently listening live on the stream. Wow, that's awesome. And normally a, a tenth of my audience. Damn. Well, see, that's good because that's about no agenda. Normally he's pulling in about 2,000 or so for a show, but then mm-hmm. there's about a half a million downloads to a million downloads. So it's about the right percentage. And we appreciate everybody. Blue Douche, Sir Omaha, Sir Matthew, Phone Boy, DigiGuru, Bull Moose, Bully Steed, and, and even you, Boobery, we love you, man, even though you want to argue with us all the time. Chai Budesh. We hope we're at least making these things entertaining, which I mean, I I brought Larry on Monday and Larry and I, it's always a love fest. I knew we needed a little bit more arguing and we didn't even get that much today. We need to figure out a topic we can argue about, Gene. Sure. If that's the goal, I'm sure we could (laughs) come up with something. I was just here to enlighten you mostly. And you did. And again, I don't want to give you too much of a compliment because I know your head might not be able to take your ego might not be able to take that. But Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. gave us a lot to think about today. 
and it is uh, very much appreciated. So people, if they want to hear you bloviating without me, they go to it's uh, uh, podcast.surgene.com. Surgene.com takes you there. I think podcasts, that Surgene gets you right to the, the subscription page. Yeah, Perfect. Otherwise, and you, can, and you can send email to me at gene at surgene.com. That's also a thing. You're brave. And you're on No Agenda Social, Ginen, G-E-N, on No Agenda Social. Yeah. And uh, that's probably much better. I mean, you're still on Twitter at all because Twitter just seems. No, garbage. I got banned from Twitter like two years ago. <laughs> well, you're, you still have an account, don't you? Or is it gone? No, now? no. Nice. No, it's, if I can't post, what's the point of having an account? Gene, you are too hot for Twitter. And now you're too hot for the No Agenda stream, man. You are nuclear. That's a good topic. We'll talk about that next time. Perfect. Thanks, Gene, and thanks to everybody else. But until next time, I am Darren O'Neill, coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of Middle America, just outside of Chirac, where I'd rather have a bottle in front of me than a frontal lobotomy. Lobotomy. There you go. Perfect. And then this should play. And as always, thanks for joining me. Please do keep in mind that nothing in this podcast represents financial, legal, or medical advice. 